This episode of Watch Out for Fireballs Dispatch is brought to you by our patrons, patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Thank you very much. Head on over to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv if you want to see what we have on offer and ask us questions and generally hang out and do whatever. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs Dispatch, our monthly Q&A feedback topics program. Yep, a big old grab bag where we will read your Patreon prompts, have a longer form discussion about a topic that we pick, and then hit your responses to um, Desperation Month. So anything that you thought about Papers, Please, Frostpunk, or Stalker. Yeah. The, uh, the way that you get to ask those questions is by being a patron. If you go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Mm-hmm. And that's how you would have got the full episode of last week's Stalker. So Oops. if you're listening to this and you're like, what was up with that weird abbreviated episode? <laughs> that's what was up with it, baby. Yeah. Um, so we got, uh, we got a lot of questions. We do. Um, before we get into them, just a couple of little programming notes. Time to scold you. <laughs> it's not really a scold. <laughs> no. Um, the one just uh, as as usual with these kind of things, it's best to keep them brief. Mm-hmm. You know, like if it, if uh, you know you need the space to to explain the question or explain the topic, that's that's great. Um, we we trust you uh, to do so. But brief is just generally kind of better um, for us. Mm-hmm. Um, it lets us get through more questions and kind of makes more space yes. for everyone. And then uh, and we can do this like you know every episode because people it's a nice impulse that people do this. But as a blanket um, at the beginning of the episode, here's a blanket thank you mm-hmm. to people who have written in questions that are just complimentary. Right. Um, we don't want to read those on the show. That feels kind of weird, and egotistical. Um, but we do really appreciate it. Right. So I don't want it to sound ungrateful, or we you know I don't want us to be sound ungrateful because we're anything but. It's just letting you guys know like hey thank you very much yeah. you know. Um, we're gonna we're gonna keep those off the episode, but we do read them, we do see them, and we do appreciate them. Yeah, those are those are for us. Those aren't for everybody. Yep, yeah. is how is how we kind of look at it. And if if somehow if you feel like oh well you know I I felt like I had one slot per question, I used it for that. I wish I hadn't. Ask us too. Yeah. Next time, we we got you. We're not gonna <laughs> like make anybody feel bad. Right. Um, we also we have just a couple of questions that were from the first round that are still left. We're gonna get to those right away. Yes. So uh, as we mentioned, everybody gets a thing. I mean, I guess it's also worth saying like. If anything ever makes us like uncomfortable mm-hmm. uh, to answer or anything like that, um, we won't answer it. Um, and if you, if you see that, if, if that puts you out, please just like let us know. But we just, you know, ask something else because we don't feel like talking about it. Like if it's too personal or anything mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then sometimes on a couple of them on the Patreon, if the question just has a really quick answer, mm-hmm. um, I've just answered it because yes. it wouldn't really be discussion. And it's like, I don't want you guys to have to wait to hear this. Like this is just like a. A yes or no, or like a one sentence answer. Mm-hmm. So some of those we've just answered on the the Patreon. Yes. So cool. Yeah. Well, still, uh, still kicking the tires on this format. Yeah. Uh, so I will get us started here with Interparty Conflict. I think that's the name of a show. Um, yeah, Gabe. Gabe. Cool. Yep, Gabriel. Yes. 
that says, you are tasked with proving to someone that video games are more than just mindlessly moving a dot around a maze while beeps and boops play in the background. You don't know anything about this person or their preferences. You have one hour and will have their undivided attention for the whole hour. What game or games do you show them and why? Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so, that's hard. Skipping like, skipping over the fact that this person's lack of curiosity uh, means that they are not going to be uh, receptive. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, I don't care. <laughs> right. Prove me wrong. <laughs> Make me care. Tell me a joke, funny man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that, that's the person in this scenario. Right. Um, yeah. I, I always, I think that with this kind of thing, like it is best to go to, um, so like my girlfriend does not like uh, games. Mm-hmm. Very much, but I, like, during this desperation month, like, I told her about, you know, like, we were laying in bed, it was before going to sleep, and I was, like, looking at my phone, looking, like, doing research or reading about stuff we're doing. Yeah. And she's like, hey, what are you looking at? You know, and I told her about, like, Papers, Please and Frostpunk, which are, like, games that try to do something and get across a message and put you in a unique situation. Mm -hmm. And so it's, like, just kind of, it's kind of a cop-out because we did those, but those are good examples of, like, the kind of thing I'd want to talk to that person about is, like, what is because uh, when I think mindlessly moving a dot around a maze, I think of a game that is purely fun. Right. You know, so I wouldn't want to show somebody like Rocket League mm-hmm. like, oh, this is sports. <laughs> right. You know, like if you, if this person, you know, understands football, you know, they'll understand this or understand soccer. They'll understand this. Yeah. I want to show them something that tried to make a point yes. or evoke a feeling that you usually don't get from media. The tr- The trick here is, you know, I think falling into a trap where you say, oh, I will show them something that is really story heavy. Um, mm-hmm. That is basically a movie. So like you could pull out something like life is strange, you know, and mm-hmm. say like, oh, this is actually like a really good uh, exploration of like what is, what is almost like a superhero narrative, but also, you know, incredibly just kind of human in, 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 in a big way. And they would say, I, why wouldn't I just watch this as a TV series? Right. Yep. And sometimes they would be right. Yep. <laughs> you know, uh, about that. Like, yeah. And the other, the other temptation I think to avoid in that is just to go by quality. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm not going to show any of these people dark souls. That's <laughs> right. right. That's, that, that's dumb. Like that, um, because it, it requires so much like, Oh, you know, this is the, you know, um, again, like just cause this, the, the person who I've been hanging around with, who's not into video games most is my girlfriend. And she, mm-hmm. well, I was playing dark souls, uh, and she noticed that my guy had like a little aura and she's like, why is your, why is your guy glowing? <laughs> and I was like, Oh, you know, I'm wearing certain rings. Uh, they give me, you know, stat benefits and stuff like that. And I immediately do just sound like, like that game does have something deep that it wants to tell you, but right, it's right. steeped in the vocabulary of, you know, genre tropes and dorkyisms mm-hmm. that make it impossible to explain and not sound like you're getting in the weeds with that stuff. Like, yeah, I realized that like, you know, it would take a long time to make it not just sound like, well, it's cool that I have a plus five sword, mm-hmm. you know, as a, you know, number good, <laughs> right. you know, as a, po- you know, monster bad, like, <laughs> you know, trying, trying to get across that theming is it's a little bit more of a complex carb mm-hmm. and requires like a lot of, um, foreknowledge. Yeah. There, you know, there's like papers, please. Like, is like an art game or like dialogue 3d or something like that just gets its idea across like really elegantly and directly. Yeah. Agreed. So, yeah, um, I, I think that role playing as the person who inner party conflict is having us talk to, it'd be like, mm-hmm. okay, I want to show that person cart life, and they respond like when Marge notices the kids going to the y- the, the the yard work simulator. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. yeah, I, yeah. I think it would have to be something a little bit more fantastical than than that. Yeah, you know, but you could kind of explain like, 
hey, this is a take on Lemonade Stand, a video game you probably are familiar with mm-hmm. because of, of school. But this is like, what if you actually applied harsh ep- economic realities mm-hmm. to that? Yeah. This is what that might look like. Mm-hmm. So that would be the tact I would take. Yeah. And we have an hour. Like you could do a whole presentation on empathy games where yeah. interactivity is key and it is supposed to make you feel something. Yeah. Or you could do like one game and then go have lunch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not properly. Yeah. Right. Um, so th- thank you. Uh, thank you, Gabe. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tom asks, I feel like games are a medium where it's possible to lose yourself in characters or moments in a deeper sense than in more passive mediums. Since you have agency over that character's actions, you can feel a direct mechanical connection to, to an action game character or gain satisfaction from choosing narrative action, actions. Um, of the games that you played for the show, which game character have you identified with uh, most, either mechanically, narratively, or both, and why? Yeah, identification's hard. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, I don't know, it, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to say that I've lost myself really in any given character. I think the, of a recent example, um, Dankowski, the, the, the bachelor in uh, pathologic mm-hmm. as an outsider going into that world with his own assumptions, you know, matching probably my own, you know, going to that town and seeing how that town worked. Um, mm-hmm. I think that is probably a standout example for me here recently. That's always that's interesting, though, because it's like that not not that that's not a valid example, but that's also just such a common narrative trope, mm-hmm. like just having a point of view character who goes yes. into a strange world like that's Alice mm-hmm. Alice in Wonderland. That's like every every character that does that. Like that's just kind of stories. Yeah. yeah. You know, so like it could still be an effective version of it because the world was good. Mm-hmm. But that's like a, a, you know, and I think that that kind of speaks to a larger. Kind of disconnect that both of us share with identifying with video game characters like right. I kind of don't. Like, I, I still almost always feel like I'm reading a story mm-hmm. about somebody else and like individual moments of kind of emotional truth can come through mm-hmm. and I can, but I, I play a lot of these games and I do it, you know, I am role playing like a thing. Like it mm-hmm. is, you know, oh, like this is the the perspective that I, I want to have through this or I'm being something close to me, but I'm always faced by situations that are not very relatable. Right. So it doesn't really, other than like that very, very building block, like, oh, like the, this, you know. I'm going into a video game world and so is this person. Yes. You know, but you, I've never gone into a video game world. You know, it still it still has that layer of abstraction to it. Yeah. You know, so and I understand that it's a different mode of how people relate to games because I know a lot of people do really relate to main characters like mm-hmm. we'll play through a game and we'll just have this intense sense of identification with a character. Yeah. Um, and we got a little, you know, when we did um, Hellblade a little bit, like we heard about that stuff like that. And I just, I don't, I don't think either of us feel that really strongly. Night in the Woods has some yeah. really relatable characters, I think. That's a good example. Yeah. Like there's definitely aspects of multiple characters in Night of the Woods that I related to a lot, mm-hmm. you know, without ever feeling like a one-to-one with any of them. Right. You know, feeling very strongly one-to-one with any of them, which was part of like, you know, kind of stood in the way for me a little bit. Like there's always this kind of picks and, you know, I guess it's maybe it's that piecemeal nature. Mm-hmm. That makes it hard for me to just like full on identify. But yeah. that's a really great example just in terms of like, you know, those are relatable problems and relatable attitudes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and also yeah. it's speaking almost directly to our cohort. <laughs> so, yeah. 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 Yep, yep. Yep. Um, so that's one. And I always think about like, I think of, like something like torment, which like is a perennial example for lots of things, but it's not like I relate to any situations in that I relate to the idea of like, Oh, I fucking did what, <laughs> you know, like I can't believe that I, you know, the person I am now actually did this terrible, terrible fucking thing right. that the person I was then would do. Mm-hmm. 
But that doesn't mean like on the whole, I really, you know, I don't feel like a sense of relation to the nameless one in general. I feel a sense of relation to the situation. So. Right. You know, you, 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 you feel, you, you, you feel connected to just that incredibly rich portrayal of regret. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that's cool. That's mm-hmm. uh that's great. Like that's a, um, a very cool thing, but it's not really about the character. It's more mm-hmm. about the individual kind of like choice that it's making me, making me take, you know? Um, and and sometimes that that kind of feeling of uh, that deep connection to it can be something that you can't relate to really at all. So like I think about something like uh, New Vegas, which the decisions you're making in that game matter, and I love them. Like I love this idea of like you know deciding which philosophy you want to carry forward with this like huge population of people. Mm-hmm. You know which one you need to do, but it's not really about relating. It's more about me kind of role playing as a person in that world. Yes. You know, and kind of just like making a moral judgment, but there's not a whole lot of myself in it. Yeah. You know? And when we talk about something having a disconnect, that can sound like it is universally bad because, you know, in general, we praise that kind of connection or engagement. I don't think it's a bad thing. You know, I don't think mm. it speaks ill of anything that we have, you know, mentioned um, that that's just not the way that we engage with it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like I like that, uh, you know, I th- and I think that's actually not that the, the what we're talking about, like that disconnect is really common for lots of medium, mm-hmm. you know, media, at least for me and for some people, like not for everyone, like some people relate more directly, but for me, like, um, so I think about, you know, we're going to talk about spec ops mm-hmm. and, uh, I'm still making choices as kind of playing as this character right. while playing that game. But if I watched a movie about the same thing, I might still experience like the, like that sense of not as deep because I wouldn't be making the choice, mm-hmm. but a sense of like heightened, uh, consequence, and stuff, but it would still just be a story. And right. that would be true of books and, and movies. So it's a weird way the games like just kind of add a little extra patina mm-hmm. of the of that feeling, even if it's not a direct one to one, like, oh, this is me. Right. You know, that's me. And that's I, I think that that's also a generational thing a little bit. Like when I look at young people on Twitter and like people listen to people listen to the show and stuff, I think people who are generally a little bit younger than than me do tend to relate and identify much more strongly with characters in fiction. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, who have like, um, this is my Steven universe, like persona. Like this is, I, I am in this show. I, this speaks to me so elementally mm-hmm. and I just don't get a whole lot of that. And that's wrapped up in like issues of representation and stuff. And yeah, yeah. it's, you know, I can't apologize for what I don't feel. I, mm-hmm. but I don't feel any dismissal of people who feel differently. Yeah. You know, I, I also, and this is just me and my insecurities. I, I, I try I, I I try not to feel vain and the act of looking and seeking to identify and cling and say, that's me. I see me on that screen to me. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't enjoy that. That is not, yeah, that, that is not an endeavor that I, that, that I seek out. Yeah. It's just not part of the experience. Yeah. You know, and who knows how much of that is the job, right? Mm-hmm. Like, is that we, we are, you know, fans of video games. Like I think if we stopped doing the show, you and I would both still play video games, but mm-hmm. we look at them differently because of the show. Yes. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Good. Good question. Thanks. Thank you. Um. Let's see here. I've got one that I think can go pretty quick. Taylor writes: okay. If you uh, had to give a game suggestion to someone who had more or less not played video games, what would you recommend? Or along those lines, what games do you consider accessible? In quotes that also demonstrate some of the cool things uh, video games can do as a form of media. My quick answer for this would be would be Portal or SimCity. Yeah, Portal is always a good answer for yeah. this, even though, like, you do have to kind of, like, FPS controls come natural to us, mm-hmm. you know, but I've definitely, like, read accounts of people who could not do Portal. Yes. 
and stuff. If somebody like does not know games at all, like I always feel like Tetris is like, I've just had Tetris on the brain, but yeah. Tetris is really great. Mm-hmm. Easy to do. Like those kind of puzzle games are really good. Like something like overcooked goes by really quick as far as just understanding what to do. Mm-hmm. And the chaos is baked in. Right. Right. You know, yeah. um, I don't know if it necessarily demonstrates like the qualities of games as opposed to other mediums, but it's accessible, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah, uh, and and then like also sports games are really good for this, I think. Oh yeah, because they're already like another like, Yeah, yeah, like Rocket League would be good for this. Mm-hmm. You know, even if it wasn't great for for the other thing. Right. Yeah. Um, here's another one I, I think might go. Um, you know, just kind of quick, not trying to force a lightning round early or anything. <laughs> right. But uh, Christopher asked, uh, "What older games, Nintendo or otherwise, do you want to see ported to the Switch?" The put it on Switch meme. <laughs> That's tough because it is a really valid meme. Um, yeah because it's it's a great it's funny to me and i said this before too but like people who just love the switch but don't ever play it in portable mode oh yeah like why do you want it on the switch instead of the ps4 <laughs> like why 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 do you want it on that instead of something else you could just play it sitting right. on your couch yeah you know like if it's not for the portability <laughs> what are you doing have, have have you have you run into that have you run into people saying i want this on switch and also i don't play i never play it in portable it might be that i'm running in i'm not they're not cross-referenced with each other okay. i'm running into people who never play on portable and people who say put it on Switch, and right, I'm not like right. cross-referencing those lists. Okay, yeah. But for me, like the the put it on Switch is purely about like playing it on a plane or in bed. Right, right. You know, exclusively. Like that's the mm. reason why I want things on Switch. Yeah, that's and, the thing. That's what the Switch does. Yeah, and with with the death of the PS Vita, right? They cease production. Like the Switch yep. is the heir apparent to that. Yep. Like, just give me every single indie game that has ever been made. <laughs> yep. On, on Switch. So as far as specifics go. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a hankering to, and not just for, like some point for the show, but also just in general, replay the Shadowrun SRPGs. Oh, yeah. Those would be cool on Switch. That'd work really well. Mm-hmm. Um, they're on other stuff. Like, there's no reason not to go to Switch. Yeah, yeah. So. In, in terms of big stuff, like... I guess, yeah, I guess it's not older, too. Sorry, please continue. <laughs> no, in, in, ter- in terms of big stuff, like a lot of it is being brought over because like, you know, Capcom and Square are being really aggressive in their uh, in, in their Switch plays. Um, you know, like I would like to see old Castlevania stuff on there, but that, that edges into, that edges into, um, like virtual console territory. Yeah. Right? Yeah. The, um, yeah, I think, I think maybe part of that might be part of the, the, con- the spirit of the question though, too, mm-hmm. is like what old kind of virtual console stuff, mm-hmm. not just like what old indie stuff. Cause I associate the switch so heavily with, as an indie machine, mm-hmm. I associate like everything as an indie machine Yeah, now pretty much. So as far as like actual old stuff, like, um, I don't know, I want, I would like that, uh, switch virtual console thing, whatever it's called on Nintendo online or whatever mm-hmm. to, to expand, yes. uh, to have other Nintendo systems. And I would like to see some first, like give me the GBA virtual console. Like we had some of those on Wii U, but right, right. it would kind of, I felt like that kind of started right before the Wii U was dying. Like mm-hmm. give me a very robust version of Nintendo's, um, lesser, loved systems yeah I, I it's a real shame that that effort to start bringing over game boy advance and i think you know even game boy games right on the 3ds mm-hmm. the 3ds was a really successful console but that virtual console experience always felt really weird and mm-hmm. the fact that it was sharing a lot of kind of like top billing with stuff on the wii u i think both yeah. of those things kind of conspired to make that whole to make that whole era of virtual console stuff feel disjointed and that probably put a put a nail in a co- in, in the coffin that already had yeah. many, many nails in it for them yeah. kind of pursuing that model. So I would like to see them now that now that Nintendo is saying we no longer have consoles and we no longer have portables. We have the Switch and it is this amazing blend of the two. 
you know, kind of start over from scratch and do a reunified virtual console, mm-hmm. you know, and way faster than they're doing. Yes. Like the speed, you know, that's always, that's a perennial retronauts complaint, but they're mm-hmm. right to complain about it. Like yeah, yeah. the, the speed at which these come out is very obnoxious. Sitting down and waiting for wrecking crew to come out. So a better thing can come out <laughs> right. is awful, right. you know, and, and it, it sucks that they do that. I do like, uh, you know, just as, as the outlier who likes these mini consoles, I also mm-hmm. want to, you know, I kind of like that, the Nintendo online thing. I got it to play River City Ransom mm-hmm. and uh, didn't ultimately end up playing River City Ransom on it, played on other things. But that um, that plus mode where they like start you near the end of the game. That's great. W- that is such a cool idea. Like, that's brilliant. Yeah. Like, yeah, I want to just go to the last level of Ninja Gaiden. <laughs> like, I don't want to. Like, you know, unless I do fun, it, but... unless I do it for the show, I'm probably not going to get there. So, yeah, just yeah. not going to it doesn't mean that I can't, yeah. you know, but that's just like really, really cool. Like, yeah, I want to just be able to start Zelda Second Quest, mm-hmm. you know, all all those things like uh, I think that's really neat. Yes. You know, Zelda 2, like these games, like the Zelda 2 one is really great because it starts you with all of the optional upgrades, but none of the key upgrades. Nice. So it's kind of just like starting the game with everything. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people like I think Zelda 2 is a really cool game and a lot of people, you know, it is very difficult and people aren't going to play it. But kind of starting with the end end game equipment. Yeah. You know, maybe people can play it long enough to see what's special about it. Oh, shit, man. Just give me NES Remix as a service. <laughs> yeah. NES Remix is really, really phenomenal. This is kind of better because you can just actually play the whole game. I know, right? It's like an extension of it. But yeah. like NES Remix should be part of that too. Yes. But it's just like waiting for everything to come out. Like when I looked at that and saw that Super Mario Brothers 2 wasn't on there, it, you know, I was like, Jesus Christ. Like, yeah. why not? You know, yeah. like it's so it, dumb. It's on there like, now you, just in case yeah, anybody it, wants to correct us. Yeah. 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 It, it, it wasn't at the time we did the show, mm-hmm. the episode. But like. You all those like old basic games, like waiting for them to come out. You can't just treat it like an event every system. Right. <laughs> you know, that Yoshi's Cookie comes out and be like, hey, we got Yoshi's Cookie. It's like, <laughs> of course. You I didn't do. care about this the first time and I don't care about it the fifth time. Like, <laughs> please stop this. It's so <laughs> dumb. Just release all your garbage in one day. Yeah. And then just release the stuff that, you know, people want, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I just I like understand that all of these games are not created equal. <laughs> no, one person on Earth has ever been excited about Wario's Woods. Right. Like not not even once, mm-hmm. you know. So, yeah, it's a weird fucking game, and not good. Right. So, <laughs> uh, kind of related to that. Uh, doing another question from last month. Uh, we've got uh, Kellerak who says, with the closing of the Wii Shop channel being pretty recent, how do you guys feel about the reliance on a digital marketplace for video games? As a related question, do you think there will be tools or methods in the future to help indie devs create physical copies of their games easier? Uh, look into limited run games. They do mm-hmm. um, physical copies of those. It's a neat mm-hmm. company. They've had booths at shows we've gone to. Yeah. I don't know if it's a tool specifically for, like, I don't know if that'll ever be like consumer side. Right. You know, like, I mean, it could be like, you could, you could, you know, you like, eventually there could be like burners mm-hmm. for that kind of thing, but it's still, that's not really, you know, in, in one way that exists now, mm-hmm. you know, nothing is stopping a, a dev from like putting their game on a flash drive and selling a physical piece of media I think that what differentiates a physical piece of media from um, a digital piece now is kind of like production quality and extras and kind of that tactile feel like things that are better, you know, that, that someone just doing it in house that they have a more difficult time with. Yes. You know, it's very similar to being in a band and burning CDs. Mm -hmm. Like you can burn your own CDs and and copy and and staple your own artwork. um, And that's all well and good. And I think that exists now any devs that they wanted to do that like it would be surprised if there was like a resurgence in fucking like richard garriott style disc inside a plastic bag mm-hmm. style games like that'd be an interesting kind of aesthetic the same <laughs> way we've gone back to cassettes and gone back to... <laughs> no computer has a disc anymore 
Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, like a flash drive. Yeah, yeah. You know, inside a baggie, like that kind of aesthetic mm-hmm. uh, for things that, you know, mark my words, like that might happen. But, um, you know, the same way you could still just kind of burn your own CD is like, it just looks better. People trust a product more if it has kind of a little bit more of that provenance. And people are going with like limited run games or, uh, you know, other kind of those boutique real t- retailers to get um, even kind of better versions of that. Yeah. Like, you know, give me some some post-it notes and some buttons and stuff. And it's like, yeah, I want this little thing on my shelf. Mm-hmm. God, that, um, that incredibly sexy looking Hollow Knight special edition. It looks really good. Yeah. yeah. I've got I've got two of them on my shelf. I've got Thimbleweed Park and um, Stanley Parable. Oh, nice. Are the two, two that I have. And both of those are pretty cool. Like, I have a Stanley Parable mouse pad that is um, like a mandala that says, like, this, the end is never the end, is never the end, is never the end, over and over. over oh, that's my great. Um, <laughs> that's... In my house. So, yeah. <laughs> The, the futility of shitting is, uh, <laughs> is underlined every time I use the bathroom. Yeah. Um, um, for the first part of the question, I'm not as squeamish about digital marketplaces. Um, I think that Nintendo Nintendo is kind of a black swan event <laughs> in terms of mm-hmm. kind of fucking up something that shouldn't really be fucked up, you know? Yeah. Um, and there really hasn't been there really hasn't been another kind of huge failure or shutdown that I can think of outside of like game tap. Right. Yeah. You know, and it, and it could have, I guess it, it just depends on how much it bothers somebody in principle, mm-hmm. you know? And like, for me, it's a little bit mm-hmm. like, um, not tons though, because like, I think about, you know, I, I, the, the, Wii the, Wii virtual, uh, virtual shop, the Wii shop, I think about those games. Like I still have my Wii. I have what's downloaded. I probably have some stuff that died in the ether mm-hmm. that I had up in storage, but didn't have downloaded or whatever. Right. Um, I haven't thought about that. My Wii has been in my closet for through like six moves. <laughs> right. You know, like I just, I, I wasn't missing it. Mm-hmm. And I, I can, I can understand if somebody is just like actively hands on with it, um, having a practical concern, or if it's just the principle, like, Hey, I bought that. I didn't pay ten dollars to rent lost wins for six years i spent ten dollars to buy lost wins and own it forever right right you know and like that's fine like you know i i get that um but even like so I, i've talked to a couple times on the show about finding my old ipod and being able to download a bunch of old games including lost wins mm-hmm. um that have gone away otherwise and that's really neat and i'm glad i found it in no universe was i missing it right like every once in a while i'd be like man it's so weird that like that you know that I can't play Peggle one on my phone. Like that's just kind of gone. Like that sucks. I'd like to play that. Oh, look, here's a thousand other things. You know, I just, I haven't had the practical yearn for mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff. Yeah. You know, so in principle, yes, like mm-hmm. it sucks. And um, at the very least, you know, I think that there should be some kind of responsibility to hold on to that stuff Yeah. and, and keep it and make it easier to do backups of it. Like that's been a thing too. It's like they, because they know people can pirate it it's difficult to like do backups of like some of this stuff. Yeah. Um, it should be super easy in case you care. That, yeah. That, that's one of the things that's pretty, that's really good about humble. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, the primary use for it is for the bundles and their store, you know, runs different sales, but you know, it's mostly like a steam resale kind of deal. But like anything you buy on there, most likely you get a DRM free version. And I'm not necessarily somebody who is like foundationally opposed to DRM. You know, it can suck. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it sucks when it sucks. But like what that means is if you wanted to, you could just download the installer executables of every game you ever bought and put it on a hard drive and put it in a closet. And as long as Windows maintain compatibility with that, you'd be able to just open it up and play it. So like yeah. that, that option exists for you. 
Um, I think it's really telling that like a lot of people I feel like who are very upset about this kind of didn't do those options. Right. You know, like the, the it feels like the same, and I'm not calling out the person asking us this question. I think that I just see a lot of discourse about this mm-hmm. is people who, um, who are very upset about the possibility of this and worried about it, mm-hmm. you know, quite a bit. Um, also are now kind of like blindsided or tis- tisking about this whole thing. Right. That's like, uh, you, you know, there there was a there was a, an option for some of this to back it up if like that's what mm-hmm. was really important to you i think the truth is probably that your we was also sitting in your closet yeah forever yeah. and you haven't thought about lost wins in half a decade yeah you know and that's okay like it's you know i just i guess i'm less attached to things that i own yeah than i used to be and i'm not it's not like a privilege thing i'm not wealthy or anything like that i just don't mm-hmm. you know new stuff comes along like because of those sales like the, the flip side of this is that whole like because of humble bundle and Steam, like PC gaming is practically free. Right. You know, I've said that before. Like if you wait long enough, you will get like insane dollar per hour ratios, like absolutely insane. It might not be the first thing you want to play, but if you're patient, you can play games on for almost nothing. Right. You know, um, so it's just very hard to mourn the loss of some of those things. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So uh, thank you. And uh, finally, so we have a question here. Or not finally. We're still going. <laughs> yeah. This isn't even close to finally. Baby, you're locked in here with us. Um Brian asks, um, there are some things, you know, some things he says, uh, just some compliments. Uh, thank you, Brian. And then uh, says, uh, on the topic, uh, has there ever been a game that you didn't get at first, but eventually learned to love? Uh, the Souls games were that for me. Famously. Or for Brian. Yeah, famously Souls games for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, for me, like I was thinking about this question um, in advance of recording and not so much like learn to love, but I definitely like learn to appreciate some stuff. Mm-hmm. after and then like my perennial example for that is like all the dragon age games that took me a thousand run-ups right to get into like i got dragon age right when it came out my ex-wife bought it for me to like, give you a time frame like she was my finance fiance at the time um got dragon age for me i was like oh the spiritual successor to Baldur's gate this is so fucking cool bioware's back baby played it got extremely bored um <laughs> tried again got extremely bored i kept going to those fucking dwarf mines got extremely bored <laughs> And then, like, on the fourth time, broke through that and then came to like it. Uh-huh. And then I was like, okay, I'll try the second one and play that. And I was like, ugh. And then, like, that only took two tries, but then I came to like it. Right. And never got that where there was a third one. Right. But, the uh, you know, I can come to appreciate something without actually really, really loving it, I think. I don't think there's anything where I've just been like, no, I don't like this. Oh, shit, I love it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um. I mean, I, I knew that I would like these, but prior to, do, to doing them for the show – um, anything in the infinity engine or the original fallout games, mm-hmm. you know, I was just one of those people who knew there was a lot of stuff to like there and decided, yeah, I'm going to not play torment until I have external impetus to do so. So mm-hmm. that, that, that would probably be another one of those things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely, uh, yeah, can, can definitely understand that. There's probably some stuff I'm not thinking of too, mm-hmm. you know, but like off the top of my head, that's what I got. Yeah. For that. Let's uh, let's move on to some some uh, questions from this this month. So uh, Zach writes, what are some perfect games to you? Not your favorite or even one uh, one you necessarily love. But what game do you think is a total or close to total success at what it sets out to do? Examples I'd give off the top of my head Tetris, NES and SNES Mario platformers, Binding of Isaac and Hollow Knight. All good examples. Yeah. Um, I would throw SimCity on there. Yeah, SimCity's great. 
Sims are great. Mm -hmm. Sims does exactly what it's supposed to do. Um, in like kind of a perfect way, I think. Yes. Um, Tetris is like such a good example of like, there's like a video out there I really love, um, by a guy named Matthew Matosis, um, about how Tetris is like inarguably a perfect game. Like even if it's not the best game Mm -hmm. and like he goes through and kind of sets up his definitions for perfect. Right. Right. And it's like, you could not add or subtract anything. Yes. To it. And that's why like, it makes it hard for like, when I think about like Binding of Isaac, which is, you know, the game I put the most hours into, like, could you add or subtract something without ruining it? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it, it's built on adding new content. There's lots of content that should be taken out. Mm-hmm. You know, I think, about, I think about the NES and SNES, like, Mario platformers. Like, they're cl- a closer margin on that, but are they, you know, are there things you could take out or add to? Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, probably. Like, they're not, but, like, Tetris is a really good example of that because, like, three-piece, te- you know, three-square Tetris doesn't work, five-square Tetris doesn't work. Tetris with eight blocks instead of seven doesn't work mm-hmm. you know te- none tetris is like perfect yeah. in like a you know a fibonacci sequence kind of way <laughs> yeah i mean it's it's almost mathematically perfect please nobody show me that mathematical proof about how every game of tetris is bound to be lost because yeah. the way the randomization works i don't i I'd like yeah. i understand mathematically that. is a uh you know yeah yeah it's a it doesn't necessarily mean mathematically yes chew on that um <laughs> the um so Tetris is, is a really great example. And I think it's really hard to find something in that tier mm-hmm. for me. Like there's lots of things that I do think are close. Uh, and it is those like golden age platformers. It is like Binding of Isaac. Um, you know, it is probably even something like, you know, for what they are like, so, you know, doing what they set out to do, you know, so something like, like Fallout 2, mm-hmm. like, there's things you can take away from it. There's like some pacing problems in the beginning and end of it, but it is so close to a perfect version of what it's setting out to do. Mm-hmm. Final fantasy tactics is my favorite strategy RPG. Like even after playing other ones, I think that does is the most interesting yeah. and does the best stuff, even though like Rio veins ca- castle is bullshit. Like right. there are still imperfections in it. Mm-hmm. So it's really just like close to uh, rocket league is another one I've used a bunch of times. Like oh, I yeah. said, it a bunch of this episode, I don't know why I've had it. I think I, I watched some city twice. Were playing it. Yeah. <laughs> Just had certain games on the brain. Like Rocket League is a game I don't like playing very much, but I think mm-hmm. it's pretty close to perfect. Oh, like, yeah. you know, that's that's extremely good. Yeah. For what it is. So yeah, all, all pretty close. Um Zom asks, and this is kind of a little bit of a topic, but I think it's an interesting idea. Um the it's this is essentially it's kind of a longer question, but basically asking us to uh to say like what does like in an RPG, like a typical RPG economy, what does that say about uh, a game? Um, and it's economy, like what kind of messages can you derive when an economy is based around like kill an enemy, get gold, sell stuff to do that better? Like, is there a subconscious <laughs> statement being played, being made? Is this just kind of like a genre trope or is this, uh, you know, maybe more insidious? I don't know. I mean, he asked that question or they asked that question and I have absolutely, I can't, I don't know that I've ever thought about it that way before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that, that i thought about you know specifically rpg economies being you know like advancing an agenda driven right? driven by violence yeah or driven by an like or loaded with an ide- ideology that i just haven't acknowledged because it is driven by violence it is zero-sum game they have mm-hmm. something um you want it by you taking it they don't have it anymore yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. This is something, the reason why I like, I picked this question, the reason why I think it's interesting is because I haven't seen a lot of discourse about it from video games, but I have seen a lot of this discourse applied to D&D. Okay. 
um, because that's that's kind of the criticism of traditional role playing, tabletop role playing, or D and D, and like a big impetus behind um, systems that that don't emphasize that quite as much, mm-hmm. you know. And like the cheeky way of saying it is like you know your D and D players are are murder hobos. Yes. Like you don't really have a house, and you go murder to live, <laughs> and that, that's what you do. You you are uh, Robert Rodriguez's machete. Yes. Um. You know, as a thing, and the uh, uh you know, and it's like. This feels to me, and and this is like far be it for me to sound like, um, you know, on a a side of the culture war that I don't agree with. Mm-hmm. But it feels like to me like the kind of thing that only comes up when somebody wants to damn something. Yeah. Like to me, this feels more like a genre thing. Like, do I think like Dragon Quest is really saying something with that? Mm-hmm. No, I think Dragon Quest wants to be another thing and just decided to wear some like genre trappings. Yes. You know, this to me is related a little bit to the violence topic from last episode where mm-hmm. it's like, if you want to, you could write an essay where this is the perspective on any, the entire genre, mm-hmm. like almost entirely, almost every single RPG with a couple of exceptions revolves around you killing enemies to get, to drive your economy. Mm-hmm. You know, so if it's, if it is saying something, it's, it's every single game is say like, is it a valid interpretation? Yes. Is it very insightful about the genre? No, because it is such a foundational bedrock of the genre and something that the people who initially made it were 100% not thinking of mm-hmm. and not considering. It's just they had other things they wanted to do, and this is the trappings of. Yeah. You know? You know, um, and to find the origin of this, you would have to cast back because video game RPGs come from tabletop. Tabletop comes from board games, you know, et cetera. Yeah, like war yeah. games and stuff like that, which were yeah. literally war. Right. You know, like that was literally just simulating war and the origins of that are mm-hmm. real life conflict conflicts. You know, <laughs> right. Which are war games which are based on wars. Um <laughs> and then uh, and then that's something where there it is literally trying to make somebody else stop breathing so you can get something they have, Mm -hmm. you know, in a grand way, either whether that's like land or resources or whatever wars are fought over. Yeah. Right. Any, any number of things. Mm -hmm. So like, it just, it feels like the kind of thing, and I'm not doing this as a call out to the the person who asked, but it feels like the kind of thing where you, it just kind of is too simple of like a carb. Like it can just kind of be applied to almost everything, Mm -hmm. you know, and it just, that makes it not insightful. And it's the kind of thing, like when I read, like, someone writing an essay about like a role-playing game and they're like, yeah, it's just this, like you go and you kill monsters and you take their stuff. And I'm like, why, why are you saying that about this and not about this other thing? Mm-hmm. You know, that happens like, you know, you want to make this point about um, an RPG that has guns, but you're not saying that about dragon quest. And that's exactly what happens in dragon quest as well. Like it's mm-hmm. just the genre, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. It, it is a bugbear that I have with like modern games, like criticism and writing mm-hmm. that I see a lot is like these kind of ideas that can just be applied to everything. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't mean for this to come across like, oh, if you think this is bad, well, I'd like to see you do better. I genuinely be interested to see a counterexample, like an RPG mm-hmm. that does have violence that still deals with that still engages with a number of the tropes, but consciously swerves away from an economy that is driven that way. Right. So like there, there are examples where you don't get money, like specifically economy in that sense, but you usually almost get, you, you'll make progress at the very mm-hmm. least. Like yeah. I replayed Deus Ex and I forgot that like, I didn't forget, but like one of the things about Deus Ex is that's like, has an RPG elements, so, you know, you have a skill system and stuff, but you do not get experience or money for killing enemies. Yeah. Um, you just advance your goals and all of your experience, all your experience points are gained through exploration or completing a mission. Mm hmm. You know, so there's a way to do that, but you still are 
it's still contextually like like you can boil this down to this whole like idea of like these win state things where it's like you know if if i'm on one side of a map and my goal is on the other side of the map and there's a thing between me and that goal and i have to kill it to get to it right that is conceptually like good i'm getting a gain by doing it yeah is is victory inherently capitalistic yeah yeah exactly (laughs) like is it you know inherently like a bad thing to ever reward um you know uh uh a victory in this. So like in purely an economy form, there are games that don't do that, mm-hmm. you know, but uh, in terms of like, once you kind of expand what reward can be other than just like money, mm-hmm. there kind of aren't right. You know, other than like, you know, I mean, there are, they're like stealth games and stuff like that, but it's hard for me to think of a role playing game, mm-hmm. you know, that doesn't, you know, and then like cue people being like, mama, ma, undertale, <laughs> you know, at me and stuff. And I'm like, yeah, you know, shove that, <laughs> <laughs> stick that up your butt. I'm done with it. Like that's where it goes now. <laughs> like you're gonna pull Undertale out of your ass. Like I can get storage. But and even that, like you know, I talked about that when we did that. Like that marketing itself is like it's the RPG. You don't have to kill people in. Like <laughs> it's just a different model. Be, yeah, it's just a different model. Like I it's, may as it's, well it's just be the puzzle. Bits, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's the hitman giving somebody a, a birthday present idea yep, exactly yeah. it's it's exactly that like it functionally it was the same it was just a changed context so like that's the other thing is you could say like what if you just took dragon quest and rom hacked it to where um enemies uh like when you are giving them enough presence to where they just run away when they're satisfied and instead of giving you money they give you happiness points mm-hmm. and then you can exchange happiness points for more presence because of friendship dollars you know or something like that like you can change the trappings of it mm-hmm. if you want to but doing so changes the genre and tone so much that it's not something you can just do like easily. Yes. You know, so it's like this, this kind of like, I think that it can say something about it, but it does feel like a stretchy argument that invalidates the entirety of genre. Yeah. You know, which I never have like tons of patience for those. Yeah. Um, let's so move into the lightning round. Yeah. Or move into the topic and then do we do topic of the lightning round? I forget. I, I, I have more horniness for, sorry. Um, uh, uh, hello. <laughs> <laughs> hi i'm Pardon? sorry they disconnected no i i i feel i feel like doing lightning rounds right now okay yeah, yeah let's uh let's uh let's do lightning round that's that's what cole says when he's horny yes like hey baby do you feel like doing a lightning round lightning round up here okay uh julie asks uh you crash land on a deserted island uh you can pick one duck feed host to help you survive together who is it and why Probably Jala. Jala's in really good shape. Yeah. And Jala could like climb trees to be a lookout and like get the delicious fruit on top of trees. That's <laughs> so probably my, you know, just cause like unquestionably in the best shape of anybody on the network. Oh, 100%. Yeah. You kind of took yeah. my answer. Uh, the, the, the backup will be David. Um, mm-hmm. because he in the is second best shape. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and also he's like, yeah, he's he's got a survivalist bent to him. He's he, like he was an mm. Eagle Scout and stuff like that. Like he's that's that'd be a good. Yeah, he's done a bunch of stuff like that. Yeah. Good, good, good answer to that. Um, Sam Bear asks: Are there any YouTube shows or vlogs that you've been into lately? Um, any topic, not necessarily games or network related. Um, Anything you're watching, Cole? I've got one, but I am trying to uh, look look it up real quick. So can you do yours? Um, I, I've been building these up. I have tons of these and uh-huh. I keep waiting for slow abject sufferings and it hasn't happened. <laughs> right. Um, but I, I can't remember if I talked about it on the show, um, modern history where it's like the poodle haired goon talking about what it's like to be a knight. Okay. For like a bunch of little episodes. And he's, he's such, like, I love him so much. He's so pure. 
<laughs> he is like, um, you know, a historical reenactor, like, you know, weeaboo, but for knights, mm-hmm. whatever the word is for like Anglophile, you know, castles and, and stuff like that. Yeah. But he just like does this little like, you know, show where he like goes through and he's like, I'm going to talk to an armorer and make armor, but I get to wear it. Uh-huh. You know, and he and he's he's not like he doesn't have that kind of enthusiasm. He presents it as kind of studious, but you can see the excitement. Right. And he just does. I watched the whole series. He does these videos where it's like, how do you train a horse for medieval warfare? Like, what is siege warfare? What does a peasant eat mm-hmm. in in medieval times? I what think I've seen eat? the I've I've seen the what does a peasant eat? And 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 spoiler, peasants ate really good food. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like salmon and bread and like vegetables and stuff, and it looks great. Yeah. You know, and then like, what did rich people eat? And he goes through and he's like with these um, anthropological, you know, dietitians uh-huh. and stuff and, and learning about that. And I watched that whole series and it was like so quaint and, and fun. Like he does like he'll charge somebody with a lance or charge not somebody, but charge a dummy. And then it'll, it'll hit the uh, – It head. shows his yeah. old trial. Yeah. <laughs> This is what it'd be like if a knight went to trial. Now, the, the barrister would, um, but he, the, the the tip of the the lance like goes through the dummy's head, and it's not even a good hit. And it's not super dramatic, but it's like at maximum slow mo, <laughs> like little bits of chips of bread, or not bread, uh, a, 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 of dummy footing. Yeah, 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 dummy, dummy, yeah, bread, wood, or dummy filling. Um, <laughs> and he has three major food groups. Yeah, like flying out of his head and stuff. So I think that is an extremely fun dorky YouTube channel. Nice. Um, my extremely fun dorky YouTube channel. You have to be fine with seeing it, or you have to be fine with the ideas of, of small animals dying. It's this guy oh. named Sh- Sean Woods, uh, who does something called mousetrap Monday. It's this Canadian <laughs> guy, uh, you know, li- lives in a rural area and he has a barn that is constantly, you know, horrible mouse infestations. And he also has a, fa- a fascination with buying or finding old mouse traps, m- mouse traps or old mouse trap designs. Mm-hmm. Um, and he kind of like will you know, explain like, Hey, here's how this works. And, you know, let's set it up or let me modify this to replace a rusted part because this is literally something from like Germany from 700 years ago or something like that. Mm. And mm-hmm. then just seeing like, Oh yeah. Like what happens? Or, you know, he, you know, tests modern things, uh, you know, like actual, you know, like literally people trying to build a better mousetrap just to see, um, on YouTube, he doesn't actually show any of the, any of the death. Um, and when he demonstrates like, okay, yeah, like this, is, this is how this would work. He always uses really cute little stuffed mice, but I mm-hmm. just, I just love the looking at the number of ways that people throughout history have tried to solve this problem. Um, yeah, and he's incredibly pleasant too. That's super fun. Yeah. I love that stuff. Yeah. Um, the, uh, last plug I want to put in is for the Epicurious, um, price points hmm. series. Have I talked to you about that? No. It's like um, they take a it, it, they have an expert on like coffee or uh, meat or whatever, and then they do a blind taste test and oh, say shit. which one's more expensive. Okay, yeah. Um, and they're all like really good. Uh-huh. You know, like they're like or most of them are generally really good. Like the person's charming. You learn a lot um, about these different foods and stuff. And then uh, until all of a sudden, there's one for beer. Oh no! Oh god! And the, no! The beer guy is. <laughs> Um, this extremely dorky man who is like, uh, you know, just like, hmm, well, hmm, hoppy. Whoa. Like, wow, this is, uh, you know, just like really overreacting everything. And I swear to fucking God, 
like twice during he was like babingo or something like he tried to bring up like he's doing like off off brand big bang theory yeah yeah he's always like zing zang like i can't remember what he says but it's some kind of like you know bart simpson like yeah it's very like wuzzle wazzle and he's trying to do it and it's like not catching on it feels like even like probably without people in the studio because when he does it you kind of like he's not getting the reaction he wants or something <laughs> the beer one is like it's like these are all really good and one came out for beer and i'm like cool yeah and then it's like 12 of the most intolerable fucking minutes <laughs> like, it's, like it's worth watching but god this guy is a lot yeah like just sniff the beer and like oh my stars and garters what a <laughs> quite an aroma on this heady brew you know <laughs> oh my god shut the fuck up <laughs> tell, tell me what makes a good ipa and shut up <laughs> i did not need this I, I think i may have seen one of these several years back uh, but you know expert tries common yeah. food or kind of thing is kind of a kind of a genre i saw one where it's like a coffee expert who was asked to do blind taste tests of um of fast food coffee you know so mm. like dunkin donuts and starbucks obviously he gets starbucks um you know things like that and it was it was just really interesting to see you know because you know i you drink trash coffee and you think yeah this is this is just medicine right but he you, yeah I'll, I'll never i'll never forget like he took a sip of mcdonald's coffee and said mm, this tastes beefy there's like a real meat kind of over <laughs> there's a real there's a real meatiness to this and i still i still i cannot drink mcdonald's coffee without thinking Am meat. I tasting beef? Is is this meat water? <laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah, I'll define that too because it, it's that's a different different genre mm-hmm. than the, or like a different different series, but also the same genre, and it's yeah. a genre I like. Yes. So into it. Yeah, I mean, and then just blanket recommendation for I think it was like Slate or Wired who does videos for uh, a guy uh, who knows everything about accent and dialect reviewing. Mm-hmm. Oh, that guy's great. Yeah, reviewing. I, I watched all of those. Oh yeah, they're great. Yeah, those those are just phenomenal. Like I love I love that dude. Yeah, that, that, that. goose stepping. <laughs> Something called goose or goose fronting. Yeah. Goose stepping. That's very different. Because yeah. I think he's talking about Brad Pitt in Inglorious Bastards. Yes. I think goose stepping was like goose fronting. Yes. And I'm like, I love goose fronting. That's so fun. <laughs> um, uh, l- l- let's hear just for fun. Uh, what foods do you like that others that either others don't or are hard to find or regional? Uh, one of mine are Hare's ketchup flavored chips, which tastes something like a less potent salt and vinegar chip with tomato flavoring. Um, mm-hmm. I take it you are either from Canada or you uh, are from near the border. And now I've moved away from there because ketchup it's chips in, are Canadian. Yeah, there's an office episode about those. Oh, really? Hmm. Yeah, where uh, Jim is trying to get them for uh, uh, Karen Calapelli. Okay. Yeah. I, I forgot that episode. <clears throat> Um, I like uh, Green River ginger ale, mm. which is a regional Illinois thing. Nice. Um, same thing. Like, uh, And then I also like um, – uh, and these are more like – these are not regional. They're more just like cheap, so they're not around everywhere. Mm-hmm. But I like those uh, peanut butter taffies. They're called mm. Mary Jane's. They come in red or orange and black packaging. They're like Halloween candy. Okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, I've seen those, yeah. Those those are those are rare because they're like dollar store candy and you can't always get them at dollar stores even. Mm. But they're like cheap candy that I love for my youth. Yeah. Um I I love regional regional soft drinks. Like I will <laughs> I will fucking destroy a moxie. Oh, gross. <laughs> I know, right? But it's nasty as hell, dude. <laughs> <laughs> they're so good. Poison. Yeah. <laughs> um uh similarly birch beer. Oh yeah, birch beer is good though. Yeah, bur- yeah. I just, you know, you you, you say like oh, dude, like I I really would I I wish I could get some birch beer. 
And like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, oh yeah. yeah, it's like a thing from the Atlantic States primarily. That's where I was exposed to it. And my stepdad, uh, you know, because he's from there, you know, he's like from the Virginia coast. He pretty much like whenever he goes there to visit family and comes back, he always brings back just like cases of the stuff because he likes mm-hmm. it too. Both regular and diet. Uh, it's good. Also, make sure you do not spill it on anything because a good birch beer will irrevocably stain anything it touches red. Wow. Yeah. That's uh, that's cool. <laughs> like dye a shirt. Yep. Dirt shirt. <laughs> Dirt shirt. Shirt, shirt beer. Um, Nick says, uh, discuss sandwiches. What's the best one you've ever made? The best one you've ever eaten out and about? And are there any funny sandwich stories you have to share? <laughs> Thanks in advance, Nick. Um, I don't know that I have any funny sandwich stories. A sandwich that I think about quite... a tragic one. <laughs> <laughs> what, Mama Cass? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Um, a sandwich that I think about from time to time. It was from one of the first times I went to Portland, I think. You took me to a place that saw, that sold this, like, pastrami burger or something like that? Yeah, we went to, um, to, uh, uh, boy, why, why, uh, Kenny and Zooks. Okay. Yeah, okay. Uh, yeah, Kenny and Zooks, uh, which is like a, a deli. That place is great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, the uh, the owners are kind of shits. And yeah, apparently it's come out, but like I, I don't know why there hasn't been development on that or anything like that. So I've been to Kenny and Zooks since then. Mm-hmm. There's one in the airport. Okay, uh, and it's yeah. Uh, extremely good. Yeah. So I I, I think I, I was I was full to bursting. I was I was basically ill at the end of it, but it was very mm-hmm. good. Yeah. The, them, them shits is super yeah. tasty. So don't know um, if it's the best, but I just that that is a memorable sandwich that I think about sometimes. I never like make good sandwiches at home because no. sandwich fixins go bad at varying speeds. Mm-hmm. Like I like having some greenery on a sandwich or I like having sprouts or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But then it's like, it's, it's very balanced. Like have this meat that goes bad in, in two weeks, this cheese that goes bad in three months, this bread that goes bad in 10 days and this, mm-hmm. you know, fixins that, go, you know, it's, it's just like balancing that stuff you, and you, having it around. You need project management software to like, make yeah, sure you like always scrum, have what you need. <laughs> a scrum witch and i don't want to have the scrum witch you know <laughs> so i usually will go out for my sandwiches um and the sandwich that i have been uh you know recently been most into has been a bon me mm, yeah. um, there's a bon me place by my house and i love that sweet sweet uh barbecue pork bon me yes extremely good mm-hmm. that's my favorite no yeah. uh, no good stories about them no yeah, no, no no good sandwich stories uh, i could tell you about any number of hot dogs you know, yeah, but, good, good but you uh, you you fucked it up with the question. <laughs> said sandwich and all the, the those hot dog tragedies and hot dog comedies, <laughs> hot dog period dramas, all of that stuff is going to be uh, locked forever behind the vault. So, yeah, um, I for, I forget who asked the last one. Um, I think that was me. I said sandwiches. Okay, so this is you. Okay, um, Adam says, "What's the biggest creative difference between hosts uh, that you're willing to discuss, and how did the show or working relationship change in order to get through the incident?" Um, I don't know. I don't, uh, I, I, there are probably times where I can think of friction, but I, it's not worth bringing up again. <laughs> yeah. There's not, there's, I mean, that's not, and there's not tons of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't think there's been, been a whole lot of it. Yeah. And it just, yeah. you know, it, it just would just kind of yield and move on. Like, yeah, not, nothing, nothing huge. Yeah. So kind of a non-answer, but like, yeah, yeah it's not really a thing yep. so much. Um, uh, Connor Burns says for ambitious young podcasters, uh, what do you feel is the most viable platform to break in and get noticed? Assuming your content is actually worthwhile. Original has an audience, which is the hardest part. Um, also hard. Like we're ending the lightning round on a couple of like, well, I don't know, uh, <laughs> answers, but like, I don't know, like it, it's, it's a, you know, there are things you can do, but we, our stock advice is always just like, 
you know, if you're going to put money somewhere, put money into a microphone. Mm -hmm. Don't, you know, don't go crazy on other costs and stuff until you know what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, Keep a regular schedule. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And and have those things that you mentioned, which is like having a original worthwhile uh, content. Yeah. And in this scenario, the person already has an audience. So they're not asking about that. Um, so I guess, I mean, there's only really two platforms, right? Like it's like YouTube or podcasts right? for that. Like people put podcasts up on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know which one is the most viable. I know I'm glad that we do the one that we do, even though it, we might end up getting more viewers, like viewer listeners on YouTube mm-hmm. as a wider base. Yeah. Yeah. But, it is a, a video and, uh, and audio are just completely different worlds, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know about like platform, like be everywhere you can that, you know, makes sense for you. Like we're not on Stitcher because their terms are nobody. onerous. Well, nobody listened to it on Stitcher. Oh, true. I'll like, you it. know, it, and that's kind of generally like a, take a look at what you are getting in exchange for what you're, you're putting in mm-hmm. for any one of these individual elements and then kind of decide based on that. Yeah. Yeah. Something that happens a lot is like, um, even this used to happen with like the YouTube channel that I was had before we started like actually kind of combining that stuff mm-hmm. right emails or like i see you're on youtube like why don't you join the blast network i just got one of those today actually yeah <laughs> like th- that stuff will kind of come and that maybe sounds nice but you have to make sure you're getting anything out of it yep which you likely aren't right um for for that kind of stuff like there are examples where that kind of networking and sponsoring can like actually get you something but mm-hmm. a lot of times it's just uh you kind of seeding some control and getting nothing in exchange and having to run a bunch of ads for a bunch of shows that maybe you don't care about. Right. You know, and that's, you can decide how you feel about that, but mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah. So as far as platform, you know, as far as to get noticed, I don't know. I don't think there is one that like is like a warmer. It's not like there are open mics. Right. You know, for podcasting, like mm-hmm. I don't know that there is one. I think that it is just kind of like being consistent and trying to build up your audience and, you know, asking people, listen, like, Hey, you know, tell other people if you like it. Mm-hmm um cross-pollinating is good like trying yes. to guess on stuff make friends would be would be one of my big things that i, yeah. that I would say yeah and, and not in a way where it's like climbing or like i'm doing this to network or whatever but like you know find mutual fandoms you know make friends and become a cohort of other um you know of, of other shows of similar kind of stature to yours like it's just good yeah, generally generally good to kind of get and maybe it'll just like feel better yeah you know, to, to have, have kind of friends and that stuff. It's hard though, too, because you, you have to be careful about like, you know, if you're doing that with the, an eye towards, um, becoming, uh, or, you know, of promoting or whatever, mm-hmm. um, that can come across yeah. as a oh, real yeah. greasy kind of way. You know, if you're just like, Oh, I want to get in with all of these other communities, but I'm just going to do it to tell them about my stuff. Nope. Don't do you that. Know, yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows when you're doing that greasy and, and people know when you're doing it. Yeah. You know? Um, so yeah, there's not a good answer for this. And I wish that there was, mm-hmm. you know, it'd be cool if there was. Yeah. And also it is, you know, the, yeah. the, the, this is not like this, this will sound like a flex, but it's not, it's just been several years since we've, since we've been at that stage well, we and things change, you know, like think yeah, think that's true. So like, even if we did have advice, it wouldn't necessarily still apply mm-hmm. also. And this is like, I'm not trying to undercut either of us. We didn't do a lot for that like we mm-hmm. we did a, a short run of something awful ads mm-hmm. we guessed it on some podcast and we put just put out a show ever but we're, we're like coming up on eight years yep you know and we didn't make any money or get any kind of like real exposure for a while 
into right. it. Like it just kind of patience and consistency and luck, mm-hmm. um, which is not a satisfying answer because it's not actionable. Right. Um, you know, other than that consistency and patience part, mm-hmm. you know, so that would be the, the best thing. And as far as platform goes, like YouTube does have a wider base. If we were starting over and just trying to get exposure, like YouTube might have been a good idea, mm-hmm. you know, for that. Um, it does have its own host of problems. Yes. You know, um, but. Yeah. Do we want to talk about a uh, topic? Yes, let us do. Yeah. Moving on to the topic. So this is the topic section of it. And this comes from Louis Shaw. Louis Shaw says, do you have any theories about why gamers uh, going from places like Twitter, Steam, Reddit, etc., often seem to be such rude, disrespectful, ignorant, naive, and entitled awful fucking people? I think some of it can be ascribed to age, but there are a lot of people who are definitely old enough to know better. Bonus question, do you think there's anything that can be done to fix it? Um, yeah. So just kind of as a topic, mm-hmm. like gamers. <laughs> what gives? Yeah. What gives gamers? What up, <laughs> my gamers? What gives? <laughs> hey, fellow gamers. Yeah. <laughs> let's let's fucking stop. <laughs> um, are there any stipulations we should make at the front? We are not sociologists or psychologists. Yeah. Um, also, and in do- the, the general, like, God, do I hate fucking talking about stuff on the internet? So like, yes, when you say this, like, if you are not exhibiting any of those behaviors mm-hmm. we're not talking to you yes so like when we're just like man it fucking sucks that gamers do this and if you're like hold up brother <laughs> i play video games and i don't do that yeah like an exception you know like the if, if you're a person who's listening to this and this is not anything specifically to anyone who like waits in the wings with an exception to something mm-hmm. to spring like a, a 1920s movie villain with a cape and mustache to spring this exception <laughs> onto a conversation and then throw a smoke bomb and vanish <laughs> into the mist because you've invalidated and derailed an entire discussion about trends uh-huh. because you found one exception. I assure you, no one likes that. Mm-hmm. You will be more popular and well-liked and more successful in life if you divest yourself of that. Right. Just stop doing that. Like, mm-hmm. I know people who do it. I see it happen just at the mutuals. Like, two people will be talking online, and I'll see someone else do it to two other people. And I'm always just like, how have you not learned not to do this yet? <laughs> you know, an exception does not. Like, someone can be like, most, you know, most birds fly. Mm-hmm. Or someone, someone can say birds fly. Mm-hmm. And then if you pop in there and go, hey, motherfucker, penguins. <laughs> like, you are not adding to the conversation. You're not doing anything. Like, and- you're trying to solve their conversation like a math problem. <laughs> And that's not what conversations are. And you need to stop that. It sucks. Yeah. Have you seen this? So this is kind of a meme there, there. There, There's a guy who for the past several weeks has been in an ongoing argument to the point where he started writing like 70 page theses uh, because a woman, an OBGYN um, drew the distinction between vagina and vulva. And a guy kind of Kool-Aid manned into the conversation and said, well, that's just ridiculous because people talk about vaginas, you know, like, well, like, what is this vulva shit? And he's just trying to defend the idea that it, that, that it is technically correct when somebody just describes female genitalia to just say vagina and be done with it. <laughs> cool. Yeah, cool. <laughs> like, yeah, just... good, good use of your time and my time. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but just he's made it his he's made it his his life uh his, his life's work to come in with this exception to an expert in the ultimate form of mansplaining. Yeah, uh, that, you know, to come is... out and say because somebody described that part of a body as vagina once, that is always the right way to refer to it. It's pretty yeah. hilarious if you if you seek this guy out. I'm sure it's been like collected into a blog or something. It's been, like yeah, that. has been has been dunked upon. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, yeah. I should I should look that up. Yeah. But so anyway, so that is that is our, our disclaimer before we talk about this. It's yes. just like 
you know, yes, there are exceptions. Mm -hmm. There are people who play like, let's not get in the weeds. Right. If if you're if people who react to this kind of argument with those exceptions Mm -hmm. feels like it's in bad faith because they're trying to reject the premise of the argument. Yes. And like if you sincerely don't think this is a thing, Mm -hmm. I don't know what to do with you. Like, I don't know how to react to that. Like if I find that hard to believe, I guess. Mm hmm. You know, if it doesn't, no, no, it's just, it's, it's, there's no toxicity in this culture. It is simply the same as any other culture. Everything is fine. That always comes off as like, you know, please stop trying to bother me with things that are negative. Yes. About life. Like I don't care about this and no one should. (laughs) Right. So stipulated game gamers, quote unquote, are not monolith. However, oftentimes somebody who I, people who identify as gamers are. Yes. There's a toxicity (laughs) to that label and that culture. Yeah. You know, and what is up with that? Mm Mm-hmm. Is, is is the the question or the discussion yeah also found. stipulated other enthusiast communities are wrapped are racked with this as well see also yep. comics gate etc which yep. Brie kind larson of, you know right. death threats yeah that kind of stuff so all of that stipulated uh, talking about people who exhibit these kinds of behaviors yeah what gives um so i was thinking about it because this is obviously like in the the news recently like i think that it is uh games because it is um you know becoming a more ubiquitous hobby Mm -hmm. because it is um as far as hobbies it is exceedingly easy and common to exhibit it online right like there are more game streamers than there are like poetry streamers Mm -hmm. right um it means that when you have somebody who uh like is way into games and is toxic they can immediately get tons of people who are impressionable or malleable to this into the door yeah you know, like obviously like they, you know, not dancing around. So like PewDiePie is the big example for this because it's in the news. Right. But like mm-hmm. this applies to lots of different people. Like you get like a Twitch streamer like that. You get somebody like that who's extremely popular um, who exhibits toxic behavior. Who right. Models, like whether you want who models. models that behavior. Yeah. yeah. If you if you, you know, without getting into the weeds of like any kind of culpability, like he is the guy who's like, I ironically do Hitler salutes and I ironically mm-hmm. say kill the Jews. Like that's something he does. That's just true. Mm hmm. And people get into it because they like video games. He likes video games. He's a popular video game person. They have that in common. It is like a way of like kind of getting that toxicity into people incognito almost. Yeah. Yeah. You and, know, because, because then, you know, it's part of your Balkan, right? Yeah. You know, they just that that's just the way that we act here. And the thing about the internet is um, it, it both makes spaces incredibly small, but also incredibly large. Right. Mm-hmm. Like this can just be fine because this is how I act you know, around this particular content creator or this particular, you know, community, but you're almost always going to almost always going to be bumping up against and having friction with other people who do not share those values or behaviors. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, because, because there are, there are access roads, like they're like, there are service roads and there are highways. Right. Yeah. You know, and you got to drive on both. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. You know, so you get in this the situation where you get like somebody who just likes games, who is like malleable, like in the, the question, like Lewis mentioned age. I do think that's, you know, there are tons of people who should know better, obviously. Mm-hmm. Right. I think age is a big one, though, yeah. because you think about like I think about myself when I was a teenager and conforming to kind of the norms of a space that I was in. Right. Like I would hang out with a group of people who I thought was cool mm-hmm. and they would use I would take on their mannerisms. Mm-hmm. You know, and that happens in real life. It happens in all kinds of spaces. Yeah. But the reason why it keeps happening with games is because that is such a ubiquitous hobby, Mm -hmm. you know, and so easy to broadcast online where these spaces are like simultaneously big and small. Yeah. 
and coupled with like lack of any kind of consequence and anonymity. So like mm -hmm. even without, you know, PewDiePie, like you end up with somebody who's just like, what's his head? You know, the guy who uh, used the N word. And then someone just said like, people are crucifying him for using a gamer word. Right. Right. You remember that. Right. Mm -hmm. Like I like video games. This dude is funny as hell. He's good at this video game. I like, mm -hmm. that's awesome. I feel good when I'm watching this. Hey, I'm communicating with him and his fans in the comments and in Twitch chat. Yeah. We're all having like a good time. Like, this is fun. These are my friends. I'm in a social space. Mm -hmm. This dude drops the N word whenever he gets killed in, in Counter-Strike, you know, um, that's cool. That's what happens. <laughs> right. You know, and then that is like a slippery slope. Like there are people who are going to think that's like a, oh, won't someone think of the children like Tipper Gore argument? And I really don't think it is that outlandish or radical to say like, no, people are influenced by the crews that they roll with yeah oh i mean you just, know but and, and and this isn't you know like this is so far removed from the actual subject matter of the games like it, it's it's almost divorced from the fact that yeah. it's about video games it has it's nothing like, to do with what they're playing yeah it's yeah the ubiquity of games and also how games are almost unique among the hobbies as having um this kind of like hangout culture, like yeah. people don't stream movies and do Twitch chat and hang out and mm -hmm. talk about them really. Yeah. yeah. Like it, ha you know, again, you know. Mr. Exception man <laughs> with the mustache and top hat and cape is like, mm, sometimes people do yeah. listen, fuck wit. Like, <laughs> yes, sometimes they do. But for yeah. the most part, Twitch streaming is games. Yeah. <laughs> so, so shut up your dick. So like you, enough the, of you. The, the, like the, 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 this almost inherently cannot be, it, it, it like it cannot be a pearl clutching. You cannot say this is like a Tipper Gore kind of thing because to do that would be to go out and say the people that you hang out with says nothing about you, yes. right? Like you like you cannot be judged by the company you keep. Um, and you, of course, you can. Right. Like that is one of those things that people like to throw out. Like it's happening again right now with 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 PewDiePie, where like he just recently today, as of recording, like unfollowed all of his white nationalist follows because he was following <laughs> dozens of them. Yeah, and like probably on legal advice just unfollowed all those people right and when people are pointing this out his fans are being like oh so you judge people by the company no guilt by association is it mm -hmm. of course it is yeah like like that like yes it sounds bad like guilt by association like your instinct might be like oh no one should ever feel should be guilty by who they hang out with but like we just like like i just i just fucking hang out with uh you know me and me and uh, me and Mussolini down by the schoolyard. <laughs> <laughs> Paul Simon took a really weird turn. Yeah, he's getting he's getting old. <laughs> he's losing it. You know, but just like you just think it like, oh, like I just hang out with a bunch of you know, a bunch of white nationalists or like any group. Like this is agnostic to the group, right? Yeah, like if, yeah. If this feels you know, I just hang out with a bunch of uh like violent bikers. Right, right. You no, know, I like them. I am, you know, and just to say, like, you know it's not likely some of that mannerism and like the reason why people hang out is because they share that stuff. Mm -hmm. That stuff starts like kind of pollinating and, and things like when I follow somebody, a video game personality person, mm -hmm. it's because I like generally where they're coming from. I think they're funny. I like the same stuff. Like it does say a lot about me. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's showing that commonality. I'm not just hanging out. I just hang out with people randomly. It doesn't matter what they are. I just like pick some random people from a hat. Some of them might turn out to be white nationalists. Some of them might not. Who yeah. Knows? Who cares? Just, just like, yeah. Ignoring the fact that there are comorbidities. Right. Yeah. That, it's it's yeah. bad faith as hell. Like yeah. it is a, you know, like a dumb assumption. Like, right. you know. Yeah. You know, um, and it, it, it's tough, right? Because you want to look at this and you want to say, okay, a lot of the effort seems to be organized, right? Specifically, mm -hmm brigades around you know steam reviews or down to like you know um the brie larson kind of thing right 
Yeah. Uh, you know, it's like, okay, they, they, they seem to be organized. And in my head, I, I know that there is a concerted effort to target disaffected young people who are, who are in this, right? Like, like there is a playbook that the, there is a playbook that is saying, if you are, if like, if, if you are young and you hang out in this particular place, which is what this is, right? Like mm-hmm. gaming is a space. It's a place where people are going to hang out. Like you can be grooms. And when I say that and think about that, I feel like I'm a conspiracy theory nut. It's, like, it's very like apt people. Yeah. Sounding like, and the, 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 the trick is, I don't think that there's like a mastermind. Like no. there was, you know, the act or like the American history X guy who's like, yes, let's groom this person. Mm-hmm. It's all wrapped up in, you know, this, this, uh, this kind of irony, like let's red pill these people. Like it's more of a philosophy than an individual, mm-hmm. you know? So when, when I think groomed, I think of like, Oh, like it's a person doing it. Yeah. It's more like it's a culture doing it. It's like a collective, yeah. anonymous collective doing it, the, but like it's the, still happening. The, like the, the, yeah, it's happening. Like it, it is, it is depersonalized, right? You know, yeah. it, it, and it is decentralized, but it is still organized around a tactic and a result. Yeah. You know? So I think, I think that's a big reason, you know, the, the question of like, and yes, it happens with other things. Like, but if you look at like, if you look at like eight chan or whatever, right. Mm-hmm. Which is where this shit's happening. Yeah. What is, you know, and they're, I'm, they're being shitty to, you know, I'm sure those are the same people who like tell Kelly Sue DeConnick to kill herself and the same people who told Brie Larson to kill herself or the, the lady who is in Star Wars. I can't remember her name right now. Um, you know, all that stuff. I'm sure they're the same people. Right. But the biggest section of that Venn diagram is games. Yeah. Like games is where like a lot of the culture war is happening right now. It has been, it's been that way since before like Gamergate, you mm-hmm. know, but 2014 was the big flashpoint for that Yeah, because it is a growing medium. You know, and it's a it, it growing medium. It's new. It is expanding. It is becoming more diverse. The world is becoming more diverse. People, I went, um, yesterday I was in a hotel or day before yesterday I was in a hotel for the first time in a while and hotels are the only place where I watch TV. Mm-hmm. And, uh, this is not me saying like, oh, we solved it, but I was watching commercials and they are significantly more like diverse than the last time I was watching TV. Mm-hmm. Like there were a lot more people of color, a lot more women, people in wheelchairs without attention being drawn to it. Yep. Um, things like that, like that is significantly a sea change and stuff. Yes. And I'm not trying to give those advertisers. Credit no, no. Like corporations are not your friends. Woke brands are not yeah. your friends. <laughs> yeah. There are no such thing as a woke brand, but they're doing it because that's the way the fucking, you know, the tide is turning. Right. Right. And, and it's not like, them leading it. They are like, yeah, they, they, they are purely it. noticing that that is a value that is, that, that that is a value that is gaining power. And that is where they have to be. Advertising yep. is a lagging indicator, not a leading indicator. Yep. And these these gamers, like these HN people who hate that, you mm-hmm. know, or, the, or these people who are involved in Gamergate or what have you in, in 2014 who hate that, mm-hmm. like, I think that that motivation is like too complex, too complex for us to totally unpack here, but is just this kind of like, I feel like I'm being left behind. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is not catering to me. I'm being replaced. I'm being replaced. And I'm on 18 levels of like, just this most shitty, joyless, like humorless irony see the innuendo studios videos the the yes. all right playbook or whatever right? i was just about to bring those up like that is actually a great for anyone who wants to i feel like those are wonderful yeah and like so apt right you know and his initial one about gamergate which is about like angry johnny or what i can't remember what he calls it yeah but, like a, he yeah so, you know has a uh, a little it does like a five-part thing on gamergate and those are so fucking insightful mm-hmm. and good um in terms of like understanding this culture yeah like what these people are um the uh as much as you know uh, she is not you know, without fault, like she's a controversial 
figure in and of herself. Like uh, ContraPoints did a really good video on incels, I feel like. Mm -hmm. There are parts of that video that people have taken to task and people have problems with. But the thrust when she's talking about the actual people um, who are involved in that Mm -hmm. um, is is really good. And that's not specifically related to gaming. But again, gaming is this online space Mm -hmm. where it's very easy to influence lots of young people. Right. Um, it is a common denominator as far as having things in common. Mm-hmm. And it's a deflection too. that like, Oh, it's just a game or word. Oh, it's just a heated gaming moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's I like mean, this like, instant deflection. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just games. Right. Uh, so yeah. it, it is simultaneously. And again, a lot of the stuff is just simultaneously one thing. And then also another, it is simultaneously unimportant and trivial. It's just a game guys. It's just, just a joke guys or whatever, but it is also the most serious thing in the entire world. Yeah. And it can be both. And whenever pressure is applied on one side, they immediately run to the other. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Um, it is bad faith. Yeah. You know, and again, those alt-right playbooks. Like, I mean, not to answer this whole question with essentially like, hey, go watch these better videos. And that, <laughs> I mean, that, that's where a lot of so my good. understanding was both formed and sharpened. You know, like yeah. I feel like that established a kind of a, you know, both a visual vocabulary for that and just a conceptual one. Uh, yeah. The things that I just. We're not so good. You know, arrogant to say that we can't learn. Right. You know, from that. Because like, yeah. Yeah. Like we learned a lot from it. Mm hmm. Yeah. Um, Another thing, you know, so in general, it is a problem that most of the Internet is a wild waste. Uh, However, I think that there is something to be said for specifically gaming related platforms being uh, just basically run by neglectful uh, people who do not watch to tend their own backyard. So you get things like Steam. You know, Valve, who has this thing and says, we're going to be completely hands off, laissez faire, whatever. And people abuse that. You know, these yeah. people, you know, the, the people who really want to advance this cause and dig in and cause other people to dig in, they understand these, they understand these systems and they kind of take advantage of the fact that moderation is not in anybody's business plan or in their best, in yeah. their best interests, right? I mean, I would, I would argue it probably is in their best interest. It's just not, well, I mean, in short term, it, 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 yeah. it is for long term. Yes. Uh, it is not yeah. in the interest of the next quarter's results. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so again, and again, it, one of the parts that makes this confusing is that makes it sound like it's one person being like, ah, yes, steam is the place, but it's not, it's, nope. it's like a hive mind kind of cultural thing. Mm-hmm. It's these message boards. And that again, like you mentioned this earlier is it makes us sound paranoid, but it doesn't take very much digging to find you know, to find transcripts of people planning this stuff. Yeah, transcripts of actual plans and seeing the genesis of these ideas. Like these people are not, you know, spies waging a secret war. Mm-hmm. They're waging a very public war on a public message board. Mm-hmm. You know, and just doing it and just kind of counting on the fact that, like, one, they have you know this constant plausible deniability of like one being anonymous, like mm-hmm. two, just being like, oh, it's just games, it's just a joke. Everything we do that's bad is just a joke. You know. Um, they have this, you know, they can hide behind this bad faith kind of thing. Um, but it is coalescing right? from a group of people who like a lot of which like, and then there's also just the people who are individuals who just straight up say it, Yeah, yeah. you know, who are just like, yeah, like this is, you know, I can radicalize people through this shit. Mm-hmm. Like that's, that's stuff that's been in interviews from actual, you know, all right shitheads yes. have been like gaming can be used to radicalize young men. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, you know, just a statement, right? Yeah. So there's still like people who will listen to this and will be like, I don't buy it. Like, this is not the case. Like, this is just, you know, and it's like, really? Like, is this all just a coincidence? This is all literally just personal responsibility. Everyone is just choosing to be toxic and harass. Each individual action needs to be just treated on its own merits. Mm -hmm. You know, of the, if, if Brie Larson gets told to kill herself, 
mm-hmm. um, about this and gets all this. Or like, you know, bring it into gaming. Like everything that, you know, Zoe Quinn faced. Right. That instead of that being, there being a cause for that or that being something that is related to games at all mm-hmm. or related to this culture, that is just thousands and thousands of individual bad actors mm-hmm. that all need to be uh, individually kind of dealt with and discussed and explained without ever looking at a connection between them. Yeah. You know, like that's asinine as hell. Yeah. So (laughs) what that is saying, what that is saying is you cannot paint with a broad brush. How broad of a brush? Well, okay. So you got to cover this whole wall of bad actors. Here is a single strand. Here's a single strand of hair because you need to address every single person. Uh, No, like we, we have to be able, we have to be able to talk about groups and movements and talk about people who share, you know, language and rhetoric. Like yeah. it just like the, like otherwise, uh, like, uh, they, they like get it from somewhere, right? Yeah. Like I learned, you know, the same way we're saying that, like, Hey, the kind of vocabulary to talk about this bad faith stuff, like here's a video that we learned a good way to uh, good articulation of that argument. Uh-huh. Right. And there's several of them. Like here's, here's some people who have articulated this better that, than we are. Like we can point to where we learn those articulations. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, earlier people, we said brand, you know, woke brands aren't your friends. Like yeah. I think about that because I watched a really good H bomber, H bomber guy video about it. That they put out mm-hmm. recently, you know, like it, it, it's, you know, they're, 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 it's okay to get stuff, right? Like it's okay to like get those things. So we, we can admit like, Oh, this is like where we're getting some of these ideas or at the very least, like we have the ideas, but these people are articulating them mm-hmm. and collating research and facts and support arguments. Right. Mm-hmm. These people who are, being responsible for this toxicity, why is it so hard to believe that they are as well? Mm -hmm. You know? And when someone's like, Oh, so you're responsible for the people you teach things. It's like, if, if, uh, innuendo studios is responsible Mm -hmm. for the act of me and Cole, uh, generally being more conscious about our privilege and stuff. Right. Right. Like, okay. Like, yeah, that's fine. I'll give him responsibility for that. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> you know because like, because it, i see that as help right like because it's a know. positive thing but there's no universe in which these harassment campaigns or literal murders mm-hmm. are are like the, the it's such a more extreme result you know that you can't i just think you can't like throw your hands up and be like yeah the person who taught you these ideas has no culpability at all right you know if like you know the same person the straw man in my head that i'm imagining who's like oh you guys have just you know are just parroting these points you know, uh, from, from these, these YouTubers and stuff. And I'm like, well, was the dude who fucking shot the mosque just parroting these points from, you know, mm-hmm. Stefan Molyneux and, and, and Laura Ingram and all these just absolute trash white supremacists, mm-hmm. you know, like if that person, like, are they, you know, just the idea that they have no culpability at all is ridiculous. Yeah. And that's what's happening right now because of this, this most recent tragedy. Yeah. Um, most recent as of recording. Yeah. So I mean, just, to, just, just to out, say like, if some, if somebody's listening to this in the future, there will absolutely have been a new tragedy. What we're refer- referring to is the two mosque, mosque shootings that happened in, in New Zealand in mid March of 2019, yeah. uh, by an avowed white supremacist who put out a manifesto, uh, that cited a lot of these, um, you know, kind of fellow travelers that we have spoken about. Yeah. Um, and yeah. also live streamed the entire thing while spouting yeah. memes and things like that. It was wrapped up in gamer culture in a way that they previously have not been. Right. You know, um, so it, it feels like the the kind of lightning rod for the question. Yes. And just like this idea that like, oh, you can't, you know, oh, so like uh, these people are on Twitter, like, oh, like, so PewDiePie is responsible for when his fans go out and do this. And like they there's such like binary thinking that <laughs> happens that I've noticed a lot of times in like and I notice it 
like a lot, like it feels like an alt-right mindset. Like when I find people who are more sympathetic to that yeah. idea, have a more binary think mode of thinking where it's like, he either has to be totally responsible mm -hmm. and like, yes, send him to jail to you. Right. Or he's totally innocent and he can say whatever he wants. And it's just up to people to do whatever they want. I, I mean, and the idea that we can't actually look for any causes or look for any kind of commonalities is just ridiculous because everyone is an individual actor. Like I, he can have a little bit of culpability and we can kind of start looking at this stuff and yeah, thinking about yeah, like this, how it's related. Yeah. Like, like, like he, he, he can just be shitty in a way that adds to the dim. Right. Yeah. You know, is he the number one person? No. Like, is he as bad as like, you know, is he, is he Stefan Molyneux? No, <laughs> you know, but it's like, he has a factor of reach, mm -hmm. you know, by, by like a factor of 10 more, you know? And like, I just always think when people come back with that, like, oh, you can't do this. It's like, don't you want to fucking fix it? Like the alternative <laughs> is just, uh, well, the, what, what, what they want hands. is to be like, left alone so they can, so they can stay dig in and dig in further. That like, the, yeah. the, that is the ultimate goal is to, is to yeah. never have to change or grow. Like, like nothing can fix this. Right. There's like literally nothing that fixes. this. We can't mess with guns. We can't mess with, you know, free speech, like quote unquote free speech. Right. With this stuff. We can't look at the, 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 the platforms that that uh, are supporting these people who are like going through and being like, yeah, uh, people from Islam want to replace you. Right. Like this is a real thing. Here's my fake research. Mm -hmm. Here's a real thing. If you don't do anything, things will get bad. Yeah. This is something that like fairly mainstream. Like this is something like you know Ben Shapiro has said. Like fairly right. mainstream conservative talking heads mm -hmm. have said. Right. P P um, you know conservative talking heads who are sharing a timeline with you know other gamer you know wait, 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 who, who who are populating the timeline of the people who the are propagating this. Tom Club. Yeah, yeah. The conservative talking heads. We're sharing a stage with the con conservative Tom Tom Club. <laughs> what, what, I, what I'm what I'm saying I'm is the, the 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 notional toxic people who are telling Brie Larson and Daisy Ridley to go kill themselves. Um, you know, the, the, their their timelines are populated not just with people talking about why Anthem is bad. They've got Ben Shapiro in there. Like yeah. all of this is all of this is melding together. And you and know, just the idea like, oh, that means nothing. We can't look at these connections at all. I'm like, gonna I'm gonna make like, a book recommendation that's gonna make me sound like a a, a, a fucking Keith Olbermann liberal conspiracy nut or whatever, but it has been a very bracing book to read. It's called "Nothing Is True and Everything Is Possible: The Surreal Heart of the New Russia," mm -hmm. um, by an author Peter Pomerantsev. Sorry if I'm if I'm mispronouncing that. Um, it is a good narrative version of kind of just the epistemic terrorism that is happening in modern Russia and, you know, extending back into the cold war, basically talking about at a state level, what happens, what happens when nothing can be true. Um, when uh, you've got uh, kind of just plausible deniability writ large at every level of the culture so that people can continue doing whatever they were going to do, which is primarily getting, um, get, getting what they wanted anyway. Right. Yeah. Um, it is a very well-written account that is fucking terrifying because this is a tactic that is shared. Yeah. Um, like you see, you know, you see, you can see reflections of you, it. You see, you see we're it. Going through. I'm not saying if this behavior stems from there, absolutely not. Please do not take me out of context and saying that what I'm saying is this is a problem that exists everywhere at every level of society that is propagated and helped along by the conditions that we talked about on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. And and the reason again tying that back to games is because there's just a lot of comorbidity there, and right. uh, it is a hugely online thing that attracts young men. Yep. You know, um, yeah, yeah. The idea that there's just nothing 
you know, there's no, this is not worth looking into. There's no connections mm-hmm. here or anything like that. It's just like, makes me furious. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, yeah, dislike it. So that is why I think that's a good reason why gamers are toxic. Why they're like low key toxic when they're not doing shootings and shit. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that, it's those minor, it's that feeling of being replaced that the hobby is moving on without them. They're not being catered to, Yeah, you know, it's, uh, all these things that we talked about, like tons in 2014, like during, you know, when Gamergate was at its height. Yeah. Uh, or but, when it was but before, first coming to prominence. Right, right, because it was happening for years before that, and it just kind of reached ahead. It hasn't a call, ended. A call, yeah, exactly. No, like yeah. that, that that boil ruptured, and it has extended into every single aspect of our lives. So, yeah. yay. Um, yep. You know. All, all those things are true. Like, it is just people who cannot handle, uh, you know, who don't understand on any level that, like, there's infinite pie. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody gets a piece of the pie, it's not a zero sum game. Mm-hmm. You're not getting a smaller piece of the pie outside of the pie. It's like that. Um, I heart Huckabee's thing with the blanket. Like what's outside <laughs> of the blanket. There's just more blanket. Yeah. <laughs> like what's outside of, uh, you know, of games. Like if, if this game happens, like I don't want every game to be like fucking depression quest. Well, guess what? We're, you know, uh, five years on from that or whatever, six years on from that. And, uh, most games are still about space Marines killing things. Yeah. You, everything's fine. And I don't want those games to go away. No, they just, that's never been on the table. Mm -hmm. You know, something I think about, and this is going to like, this is, this is a broader political thing, but it's something I haven't been able to get out of my head for a couple months is when I read, and I'm not talking about, like, I'm not making a blanket statement about all conservatives, but when I read something from a conservative, uh, that is based around this, I sometimes think like, what have you lost? Yeah. Yeah. You know, like what, what is, what is the loss that you're not, not only are what are you scared of, like, I understand, like, what the fear is, what you fear you might lose. Well, when have you lost? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, no one, it's never been on the table that gun in America that the guns are going to go away. Yeah. Like, even if I think that, like, I don't want there to be guns, mm-hmm. that is not, I'm not in the majority in that. That will never go away. All that's saying is, like, hey, you can have a gun, but maybe not that gun. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, that is enough to be this, like, like have this much furor, furor mm-hmm. you know? Um, like what have you lost with like, uh, 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 and like any number of these things, right? Mm-hmm. Like I would, you know, I didn't, I didn't come into this thinking about talking about it. It's just been on my mind. No, it's, like, it's, it's you know, inextricable, you, you know, it's all tangled. Yeah. 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 What have you lost? You know, and what have these gamers lost? Mm-hmm. Not a thing, you know, in this culture war, like these people who are very angry about it, who are just like mad about like just they, their being Muslim. What have they, you lost? What, 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 what they have lost is the ability to say and think to, to think and say those things without, yeah, without public. criticism. Yeah. I don't get to say the N word in public. <laughs> right. I don't get to just like publicly, you know, like, cause it used to be like a thing. Like my dad, I've talked about my dad before. My dad was like not unracist mm-hmm. and used to say things like, and this is, uh, you know, a, you know, like used to say like raghead. Yeah. Right. What you know, talk about people and like, that was awful. Right. Like I'm not defending that. Like, I don't mm-hmm. like my dad for people who are new to the program. Um, <laughs> I haven't talked to my dad since I was like 13 years old. Right. But like that used to just be a thing and he would just do it in public, you know, in yeah. bars like him and his friends, you know, right. and also I was 13 year old and I was in a lot of bars. So that should give you an idea of the character <laughs> that we're talking about with my old man. Um, but, uh, now that would be frowned upon. Mm-hmm. Is that what you lost? Like, that's what this culture war is over. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, just, to like an extent, yeah. Just, I can't be publicly shitty. Right. You know, like you just don't like, you know, and everything like with the climate change stuff, like you're not losing it. Like you are taking up the banner of people who don't have your best interest in mind Mm -hmm. to fight for it. uh, And you are in danger of losing. You have not lost anything. You're in danger of losing nothing. Right. 
Well, you know, what, there's what, just no, there's no stakes to this. What, what, like, what, what they're in danger of is further introspection, and this is yeah, me painting exactly. way too, way too, way too broad of a brush. If I am wrong about climate change, what else am I wrong about? You know, exactly. like like just uh, yeah. at, at what point do the dominoes fall? Do the house of cards fall? Is is Man. is the, like if I if I give that inch internally, everything else is going to have yep. to be questioned. I hate the fucking libs because they try to make me realize things. <laughs> Like fucking lives always trying to make me realize. Well, I mean, something. and also like you know? I don't know. I'm not going out and doing an awful lot of um, you know direct persuasion with people who who are like your dad, right? It is yeah. just by existing. You were speak- really weird. Like, <laughs> I think you have to tell me that. Like if that's yeah. like, you know, oh, we were talking about this creative differences before. That'll be it. Yeah. I was talking to your old man in the green room. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, hold up. Like, <laughs> yeah but no but but you know but but by existing and by 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 living to these values that is a direct assault it, it, you yeah. know it is tremendously fragile it is tremendously brittle i cannot imagine living my entire life as the world's shittiest sweater that if one single thread is pulled the entire thing falls apart yep yeah you know and it's so it's so interesting that like the the contrary you know the contrast that is always presented as such like it was always like, oh, you get red pilled and that's your sweater falling apart. <laughs> you know, that's your, that's your, you know, as soon as Stefan Molyneux, uh, who like I've watched through proxy, like I've seen a bunch of that dude, mm-hmm. you know, directly and through proxy. Right. That guy's a fucking idiot. And like, that's the dude who you're like, why? or like Jordan Peterson or whatever. Yeah. Right. Like you look at that dude and you're like, oh, this is the thing that totally should be changing people's worldviews. Like I was a fool and believed in all of these liberal values. But then Jordan Peterson, like, is yeah. the person who, like, unraveled my sweater. Oh. So now, you know, like, I don't know, man. You know, and uh, to, to, to end this on, you know, may, maybe a little bit more of a positive note or a more affirming note. Who knows? You know, it, it, it's probably important to acknowledge that however fearful and brittle these, you know, the people who exhibit these 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 behaviors are there is probably a kernel of pain there you know like they they are not lost causes you know yeah. in, in a lot of ways you know the the the, 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 the hate the sin not the sinner right any of those kind of like life affirming things but that behavior has got to go that outlook needs to totally. be you know needs to be confronted and, you know just like the pain at the center of that needs to be confronted you well, know and the people but then the people taking advantage of that pain yes like do that has to go as well right Right. You know, something like it's something I was just thinking about that, like, um, you know, you, your sweater gets unraveled by Jordan Peterson thing. Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I, was, I read an article, someone in the Slack posted this thing that was like this Guardian piece where they um, it's a new series where they sit down people on opposite sides of an issue and have them talk. Right. Fun. Um, and they had uh, a leader of the regional Patriot Prayer and Proud Boy chapter Jesus. here in Oregon. And like a guy who is in Portland Antifa okay, um, and stuff and had them talk. And the guardian guy is setting up a neutral and like, regardless of how you feel about Antifa, right. The, he's trying to present this as neutrally and he's explaining <laughs> the proud boys and he's explaining Antifa. <laughs> so one of and them, so we're, we're, one of them, it's like here, he's talking about the initiation rights. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, it's like, okay, you get punched by, you know, if you want to join the proud boys, you get punched by uh, by your by your friends mm-hmm. while having to name breakfast cereals, until eventually you take a no masturbation pledge because they believe that you when you lose your cum, 
you're losing your your magic power. Yeah, your, your like, like they, 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 they are walking around with this like weird Ayurvedic concept of yes. bodily humors. <laughs> so they, they they talk about that, and then he presents the the anti guy. He's like, these people sometimes use violence and property damage yeah. to fight back, but, but most when, but mostly they raise money and do legal work to get people yeah. to get well, protesters off. Of yeah, he didn't even say that, but that's like a big part of it, right? right. It's like yeah, you know, get these protesters off of things. But he's just like he said, he said that he portrayed them in as like the worst possible reasonable light. Jesus. Like, you know, they, they go through this, but it was still not like they believe in magic come. <laughs> and like, you don't need to present those two things as equal. No. <laughs> you know, like the, 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 the centrism is real, man. And it's yeah. fucking poisonous. Like, or I was thinking about, I always think about, um, uh, Joseph Paul Watson, hucking brain force. Uh-huh. Like when you talk about the comp, like how you shouldn't be judged by the company you keep. Like, I'm just trying to imagine being a conservative who's like, yeah, you know, uh, you know, Joseph Paul Watson has some really good ideas. I think he's right about Islam. Um, but I always kind of like mute it when you start trying to sell me brain force, because I think that's crazy. And like, how, can, how does that not poison the fucking well? Like, he's trying to sell you a pill called brain force. Like, if you take enough brain force, it balances out all the cum you lose from masturbating. And this is what they, you know, and maybe you don't believe in those parts. You just believe in the other parts, uh-huh. but do you not look at that source with a little bit of fucking skepticism? Like, yeah. why would you want to be associated with proud boys? When they believe in magic come and why would you want to believe be associated with like info wars when they're trying to sell you something called literally like brain force, <laughs> like increasing your brain force with like ginseng and soy and fucking nootropics. <laughs> like, no, my brain force can be better. Everything he says about how, uh, you know, Sandy Hook was a false flag. That's all real. And I believe that that's, this guy seems like he's really fucking legit. Now on to buy some brain force while I don't masturbate. <laughs> What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> Wait, Jesus pause, Christ. stop, re-rack. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> just, uh, just, just try, try to hold all these things at once, please. Yeah, exactly. Like, how is it, how are you, you know, where is your shame? <laughs> like, in being associated with these people, you know? Just like, I just, the, the picking and choosing of just kind of being like, yeah, you know, I like the, you know, I like the part about the great replacement, but I just don't like the part about not masturbating. Like, yeah, yeah. You know, I just, that's his, that's just bonkers to me, you know? So anywho, (laughs) um, that's, that's, that's good. Um, thank you. Thanks everybody for the questions. Yes. Thank you. Uh, if you have questions for us, the way to get those on the air is to uh, be a patron by going to patreon.com slash duck feed TV. And if you have responses to anything uh, that we're going to talk about, including, uh, next month's game and the games we're going to announce for the month after that, um, hit us up at duckfeed.tv slash contact. And these are the, uh, the people who wrote in for desperation month we're going to read your responses yeah um so we're going to start start out here with some follow-up uh from mm-hmm. gabriel who says via contact in the pyre episode gary used a metaphor saying the downside of living in portland oregon is being close to vancouver washington i believe you meant the downside of living in vancouver washington is being close to portland oregon i you can take you can believe what i meant however you want <laughs> i know what i meant <laughs> Um, I don't actually like have any real hate for Vancouver. Like that is a real cultural thing here, but it's like, I don't really have any real hate for it, but it does seem like it is. It's like, it feels like Rockford to me, like a, like Rockford, Illinois, okay. as opposed to Chicago. Like it feels like a kind of a mini city. Um, and the things I said about their library being in a mall is true. <laughs> so, like, just like, you know, I don't necessarily want to battle our Pokemons. No, no. Right? And, and also I, you know, I, not to put words in your mouth. I don't think that you are looking down on people who decide to move to Vancouver because it might be cheaper there. Right. Totally. Like yeah. I, I looked into it. Yeah. Like if they, if they had a transit system that was like, would make it work, I would like possibly have done it. Yeah. You know, like the, it, like that's the thing that stopped me from that. Mm-hmm. But Yeah. The, uh, 
but we can you know we can we can battle our pokemon another time if you'd like <laughs> uh, i don't know he lives really close to you he might take you up he, on he, does, he does have the he might have bigger pokemons <laughs> unfortunately gabriel had the misfortune of being the first question after that screed and <laughs> so i'm all fired up but i, I know that this is a joke so I'm, I'm just keeping that in mind right so no. um moving on to comments about uh papers please uh sam bear says by contact I've only played the demo of Papers, Please so far, but as someone who's worked at a major corporate retail store for the last 11 years, I can tell you that it captures the skill of half-assing your work, but not so much that you get yelled at, better than any creative work I've ever seen. <laughs> that is a real thing. Yep. yep. <laughs> if, if you're going to be treated like a cog, guess what? I can be a shitty cog. <laughs> yep, act like a cog. Yeah. You know, cogs are not great. Nope. Um, Rue writes in via contact. I really enjoyed the papers, please episode. I just wanted to check to see if either of you played it on the iPad. That's how I played the game. And I found it really doubles down on just how tactile the interface is using your hands to shuffle papers, stamp, tap the buttons, etc., uh, And it really makes it real that you're at a cramped desk, uh, that you're forced to work with. It's brilliant. If possibly even more stressful than on PC. Hmm. I, I did not. Yeah. Um, I've, I've tried it. Um, I, I did one of those things where I, where, where I got something on the iPad without really thinking about what the experience might be. Mm-hmm. Uh, and given that I play most of my iPad games in bed, playing papers, please before bed does not necessarily comport. I did the yeah, same thing yeah. with five nights at Freddy's. That makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I don't like it for two reasons. A, I'm not really a touchscreen native. Like I play lots of games on my iPad, but Eh, I'd rather use a mouse and keyboard. Just feels more precise. Also, um, you're working with on such tight margins that oftentimes I would be reading things as I was moving them. And you really can't read something if your fingers on top of it. That becomes a, an iPad iPod thing a lot, mm-hmm. actually in general. Yeah. I find with these kind of things, like so, and there are different solutions for it. Like I played a game where if like you push down the 3d touch, it like shunts the image a little bit mm-hmm. from under your finger. Yeah. So you can read it, things like that, but it is just kind of a, a problem. Yeah, yeah. You know, often um, like sometimes they'll do like an offset drag or something like that. But yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a, it is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, moving on to Dan. Dan says via contact. I found this as an iPad app and downloaded it uh, as I love the art style. It takes me back to the Genesis days, but also looks more refined and worked well in the new format. When the music started and I got my first day out of the way, I knew I was in for a treat. A great sound design with a gradual increase in rules I need to check and family dependencies. Uh, I found some of the mechanics a little difficult as it uh, as it wasn't tutorialized as well as I would have expected, which added more stress to the, to the day, frantically looking at the flashing clock and thinking of my sick, cold family. <laughs> a fun game that I actually enjoyed despite the harsh treatment of questionably innocent citizens as I felt I had justification to do so. Glory to Arstatska. <laughs> Yeah. yeah i didn't think about the genesis comparison but like the limited color palette and roughly the resolution does actually call that to mind a little bit mm-hmm. yeah it does have a has a nice genesis uh genesis vibe mm-hmm. yeah yeah i wish there was a good genesis mini i was feeling some genesis vibes recently oh, they're all so bullshit they're all bad <laughs> yeah like bad controllers yeah. is the problem like the yeah. uh, like i've i've picked up one and played with it and then did the other and, and you know, tried it like the uh, Nintendo mini controllers feel like the, you know, mm-hmm. real ones. They mm-hmm. stand up next, you know, side by side. Any of the Sega ones feel cheap and garbagey. The emulators are not good either. Right. I had a handheld one I bought once yeah. and the emulator was just like, you couldn't save. <laughs> what? So I was like trying to play like fantasy star or something. I couldn't <laughs> save. And then it's just like the, the music was really, really bad. Ugh. So yeah, they're, they're just not very good No. So, 
be cool if that wasn't a poisoned well because yeah. i would like to complete my little mini consoles thing i bought them they were on sale i got a Commodore 64 mini oh yeah um which the big difference with that one is that you don't have to do any hacking or anything to put games on it oh really they, they just accept it like you just put in a usb drive oh that's awesome so i'm gonna get like you know and that's like a system that's a huge blind spot for me oh it's, so really i mean it's a pain in the dick to emulate too Luckily, I don't have to anymore. Yeah, like just like, get some get some ROMs, throw them on there. Fuck, man, that that like how much how much was that? Because that might actually open up some avenues for um abject suffering. So forty bucks. Forty bucks. That's terrible. Think is what that was, and I haven't got it yet, so I have not tried it yet. So I'm just this is all stuff I've read. Okay, uh, report back. I'm curious about. I it. will certainly will. Um, what does uh does this me? Uh, this is gonna be me. Um, okay. Ian says. One thing that that has impressed me about Papers, Please is how rapidly people get sucked into the ideology of the world. After the terrorist attacks, I found myself lingering over Kalechian passports and hesitating to let them through. I thought it was better to take the five-credit hit than risk shutting down the station for the day. Even if the terrorist was not Kalechian, I went straight to the red stamp. Uh, my wife, like all of us, tried to avoid sending people to jail. After her first game over, she sent as many people as she could uh, with the guard to meet whatever fate awaits them. I'm curious to hear how the two of you responded to the game and if you found yourselves uh, swept into an ideology or behavior you didn't expect. Cobrastan is a real country. I don't think that it is. <laughs> I just threw, threw in the old, uh, the old Google. <laughs> Yeah, but it's uh, you almost fooled me there. <laughs> it's uh, it's not. It's got a nice, uh, nice little Wikipedia entry though. Hmm. Um, I didn't for this play through because I was specifically playing a certain way. Uh huh. Like I was just trying to get to a certain ending, so I was doing the the total loyalist. No. Playthrough. Um, when I played through it, it does like we talk, I think we talked about it in the episode. Like it does become a thing where like, hey, gotta get this. Like you got you start getting annoyed with people that you wouldn't get annoyed with. Yeah. You know, and you're not sympathetic to their their stuff. So I think that we both kind of talked about that happening. Yeah. But I didn't play differently because I was adhering to a thing. Yeah. That's one of the main powers of the game, right? Is regardless of your current values, you are inheriting empathetically this role and bending to the incentives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Ian. Uh, Matt says, uh, my wife came to the United States from Columbia in 2014 to pursue her master's degree. Shortly after she came here, we met and got engaged, and then the 2016 election happened. As you can imagine, this was a scary time for us. My wife was reasonably calm about it, but personally, I ended up stress crying in front of my boss. We ended up pushing up our wedding date and started planning our lives around the way our actions would be viewed by a USCIS employee. We weren't comfortable with a large wedding, but we had one. Neither of us believes uh, in the wife taking the name of her husband, but we were afraid of how it would look for her to keep her own name. For two years, we would get nervous if we went three weeks without going out and taking selfies with friends, since it would constitute a gap in our portfolio. It was during this two-year nightmare period that I decided to play Papers, Please. This was a mistake. The game ended up being pretty hor- a horrible string of my worst fears, I tend to lean, uh, and I tend to lean into things that stress me out in art, but this was too much. I won't say I saw my wife as one of the dim shadows on the other side of the glass, but boy, did I have a different level of sympathy and aggravation about the events of the game than I otherwise might have. It ended up being the only game besides Amnesia that I had to quit because it was just too damn stressful. Recently on Twitter, Cole indirectly gave me the great idea of playing the game as if you're a Smithers uh, type figure, (laughs) whistling like a loon while you work and being completely oblivious to the turmoil caused by your profession. It defeats the purpose of the game, but damn it, damn it if it doesn't make me laugh. This game is spectacular from head to toe. It's affecting with minimal aesthetic flash, 
it feels like it packs a force, uh, the force of a hand grenade into a fly swatter, and I love and respect it. As for my wife and I, two years and a 500-page bound portfolio later, we met with a USCIS agent who thought we were adorable. We have our green card, and we're ready to do it all again with a 1,000-page portfolio two years from now, and then maybe get citizenship in five, five years after that. I don't know where this revolving door immigration system the MAGA folk keep talking about is, but if anybody uh, wants to point it out to me, by all means do so. Uh, love you guys. Thanks for all you do. Thank you for sharing. And I'm sorry yeah. that you and your wife have had to go through that. Yeah, that's dumb. Yeah. That's fucking stupid. Like, I mean, not you, just, you know, oh, these people love each other. Prove it. <laughs> you know, where's the receipts? Like, dystopian as hell. Yeah. You know? um, so somebody, uh, just as this is a total aside, I went to a, a I told you we were talking in the green room. I went to an alpaca farm over the weekend mm-hmm. and the lady who ran it was very into their, them for their, their fur, their coat uh-huh. and said from every animal, a product. Wait, wait, what? Like she was talking about like, you know, essentially making uh cloth and textiles and stuff like that. And she said the sentence from every animal, a product. Ooh. And I was like. Wow, is that like a dystopian statement? <laughs> like, what was the accidental poetry in that weird alpaca farmer? Like, from every animal, a product. Yeah, you and, know, and, the, and, and not by, really related to this, but just kind of like, whoa. And by, and by saying that, she made uh, Abe's Odyssey happen. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like it was, just, it was just kind of a gross thing, you know, and, yeah. and just this this kind of dehumanization. Yeah, you know, or treated, you know, uh, commercialization of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah i'm I'm glad that uh you know glad that this seems to have worked out and um you know sorry that you had to go through that and mm-hmm. if i find out about a revolving door uh immigration thing i won't tell you because i don't want ice agents to step on my neck right so yeah. yep i do like that phrase it feels like it packs the force of a hand grenade into a fly swatter yeah that's great good oh. Oh, very good moving on to talk about Frostpunk. bob writes I love this game as a whole. One thing I wanted to highlight was when you find the cave full of children, I always send them back to the city alone. Yes, some of them may die, but these kids are just a burden anyway, and I need that scout to go further and get me some benefit. But the little note you get after making that choice was excellent. It says something like, the children stare at you in disbelief, and the youngest among them starts to cry, but they have no other choice but to start off towards the city alone. I had to laugh as as the game did make me feel bad for my awful choice, but often I could send my Eastern scouts to pick up the kids after returning with a boatload of resources. I'm not a monster. Mm-hmm. Keep telling yourself that, bud. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's uh, we didn't get into all. There were too many of those little individual touches to like mm. get into all of them, but they're all pretty great. Yes. Like the game does uh, foreshadow the knife. It's going to twist later, <laughs> you know, in kind of a good way. Yeah. Um, Sam says via contact. The Protect the Seeds scenario in Frostpunk is inspired from real life. It's one of those stories I think everyone should know about. During a siege in World War II, about a dozen Russian scientists starved to death while not eating the seeds the seeds in the vaults that they had guarded. Jesus. Uh, and he includes an article yeah. about it, which I did not know about. Neither did I. crazy. Like, I know about the, what, the Norwegian seed vault that, mm-hmm. you know, is here to protect our fucked earth. Um, but, uh, but, yeah, I didn't know that uh, these people made that sacrifice that yeah. uh, the, the the article is harrowing yeah they should at least eat the stinkweed seeds <laughs> right and, and the cum plant that tree that smells like cum oh yeah the ginkgo like, there yeah. are probably some of them that we don't want in the future yeah it's we were yeah. fine yeah we're fine just some of them though <laughs> yeah just like just like wipe your ass with the printout of the genetic code for mosquitoes yeah 
Yeah, just, just show up and be like, what's your least favorite tree? <laughs> <You know? laughs> just like, you, which you like more, Italy or France? Uh, just, yeah, just somebody comes out like, what's your, tree? Um, what's your least favorite tree? You know, and just like, what'd you do? Starts off. Uh, yeah. Now moving on to the responses about Stalker, Shadow of Chernobyl, Gordon writes in via contact saying, uh, this game hit that magical sweet, sweet spot when I wound up really feeling like I was living a new lifestyle of a hard drinking artifact collector in the zone. I knew how to sneak around a circuit of anomalies while avoiding costly fights, occasionally vulturing up the aftermath of a firefight. When my quest giver wound up getting eaten by a pig, well, such is life in the zone. Uh, he should have spent more time learning to compensate for bullet drop. Tragically, the depressing life simulator only lasts, uh, for two thirds of the game, but while it lasts, it was exactly my jazz. Uh, if I could transfer these mechanics into an open world, the size of fallout, then I would be set for life. Very cool. Uh, and we've got a, a kind of a, a, a response that is more about the, uh, the follow comparison later on, but it is something I thought about and we didn't really talk about during the episode. Mm -hmm. I think I mentioned that when I first came to, it, I was expecting fallout. Yes. Like I was expecting like fallout three mm -hmm. and, uh, it is a very different thing, but yeah, that is, uh, you know, it, it is a totally kind of different game during that part and kind of really unique. Yes. I wish there, I also wish there were more games like that. Me too. Yeah. Uh, Benedict says by contact. For 15-year-old me, Stalker was about moments like clawing your way inch by inch through monster-infested countryside after a grueling fight in a subterranean military complex to come across a few people lying down in the sun and listening to their bud play folky songs on an acoustic guitar. It adds to a feeling I have that there's a unique blend of melancholy and despair with a warm, humane touch that is native to Eastern European development. And it seems a shame that a lot of the discourse on culture of origin in games has been focused solely on the difference between Western and Eastern trends. Uh, GSC, Game World, Icepick Lodge, and CD Projekt Red are making a fine effort at mixing in Europe's reputation, or mixing, uh, fixing Europe's reputation for game development. Yeah. Yeah. We, we also talked about that when we did, um, we talked about Pathologic, but mm -hmm. we also like the idea that, you know, things don't just need to be anime, big TD particle effects, or Guy Whitey shoot good right. Stormtrooper. Like, you know, I like the idea that there is, there's more to it than mm -hmm. that, for sure. I was trying to decide if I should feel bad that two of our games in desperation month papers, please and stalker explicitly deal with Eastern European or, you know, roughly Slavic areas or cultures or populations, you know, like mm -hmm. I, 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 I was worried that we might've been saying something we didn't intend to say by, mm -hmm. by, by, by loading it up that way. Yeah. Like this is, this is, you know, these are big examples of, of games that deal with that. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, you know, really think so. And even, even, um, you know, Pathologic has that flavor too. Mm -hmm. Like it, it, there is something real, you know, the thing that, um, you know, Benedict is talking about is a real thing. Yep. Like, you know, that, that is a, a kind of a, a specific mix yeah. that's worth, worth talking about. Yeah. I don't have an answer in my, when I raised that question, it's just something that, that, that kind of, you know, poked out, poked, poked out at me a couple of times over the past month or so. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What does, uh, what does Andrew have to say? Andrew says. I'm sure you'll make these comparisons in the episode, but what is it about Stalker that I like so much more than a modern Fallout game? I'm not saying it's a better game, but it does do some things better than Fallout. I think it's that the setting genuinely does feel isolating, dangerous, and unpredictable. Modern Fallouts certainly have more polish, but something, I, uh, but something about the bugs and jank of Stalker add another layer of uncertainty and anxiety. I really dig it. 
Also, there's something more acceptable about bugs and Stalker that come from a smaller team, uh, and you can sense the creative ambition behind it. And bugs in a Fallout game that are the result of burning out an enormous team of developers to meet an unrealistic deadline. Any other thoughts comparing these two franchises, if you haven't already? I never really put together the bug section because they both, I don't think the bugs necessarily feel different. Right. And those two games, I think there's just like a level of scope. Yeah. That's like a really big part of it. And there's a, um, you know, I think, I think it's more simple than that. Like I think stalker is much more simulationist, mm-hmm. uh, than, than fallout is like fallout uh, is far more looty. Uh, modern fallout yep. is because of its, um, kind of roots in elder scrolls. Yep. Modern fallouts have that modern fallouts, um, have become increasingly less interested in that kind of desperation mm-hmm. stuff um, with Fallout 4, which is like set even further out when the bombs dropped. Um, and then Fallout 76, which was set very close to when the bombs dropped and somehow is the least desperate <laughs> right. of them all. Right. You know, um, so they just kind of like just change their values to not really be about the same things. Mm-hmm. You know, like I can find some fun to, in modern Fallouts. Like I like Fallout 4. Um, it's not the same. It's not special. Right. Like I still probably had more fun with it maybe than stalker. Like I don't even necessarily think it's better, but there's just more there, mm-hmm. you know, but it is very different. Like it totally makes sense to me to have a preference. Yeah. yeah they're very different takes on like what an apocalypse could look like as to like a post apocalypse as to why you Andrew like stalker more. I don't know that I can answer that. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Like they're, they're It's interesting. They, on the surface, they seem very similar, mm-hmm. but so do like fallout three and borderlands. Yes. And those couldn't be more different either. Like mm-hmm. there's just like a thousand little differences, you know, in borderlands and, and stalker feel totally different. You know, um, there's just like different degrees of seriousness, like different amounts of humor, um, uh, different focuses on, on what you're doing mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Um, MG Amoose says by contact. Finally, you off boys can enjoy the cream of the Ukrainian crop. Uh, I've enjoyed this game ever since it was released. What an amazing setting with the idea of basically a locally contained version of the post-apocalypse. Now, if only the coding was up to par. Unfortunately, we have to wait until Call of Pripyat, or Pripyat to, uh, for a stable game in the series that doesn't need a hundred tr- tweaks. But that said, the story of Shadow Chernobyl is the best in the series, as well as having the most unique areas to explore. Excited to hear your responses and, and everyone else's to this amazing series that desperately needs a new game. Metro has the right idea, but the freedom aspect of Stalker is what makes it unique. Until then, I'll stick with playing Call of Chernobyl for my fix. Um, it's a mod that combines all three games' maps and lets you pick a faction to play as. That's mm. pretty cool. Yeah. Um, P.S. Not sure if you played with uh, English or Ukrainian or Russian voices, but either way, uh, is there a, a lot to comment on there? English translations for the Stalker games aren't the best, but the voice acting is quite bad no matter the game. Russian-Ukrainian uh, uh, has good voice actors at least, but hope you're up to date on your Russian underground criminal slang. Uh, I am not. <laughs> no, the, 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 the only, the only one that I know is Bliat, yeah. which would be just cause you, you hear people scream that when something terrible happens in a YouTube video, like you know, Russian yep. fail compilation or whatever. Yep. 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 It is the, uh, the Russian gamer word. Yes. <laughs> God, something about gamer words and boner culture happening at the, happening in the same like two month span, I think broke me in a way. Yeah. 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 It's not good. None of it's good. Nope. Nothing's good. It's yep. all bad. Yeah. Well, I'm happy I played this game. I'm, I'm, I'm happy yeah. that I did a uh, stalker. Yeah, you, me too. Yeah. It's good. Yeah. 
Uh, what does Harris say? Uh, close us out. Yeah. Uh, Harris raises something interesting that we should have commented on, but we didn't. Um, not 100% sure if this is for commentary about what you've played, so please ignore if I'm typing in the wrong place. But as someone who spent a lot of time playing the Stalker games, I highly recommend you reading this Polygon piece. Um, and they provide a link to a Polygon article that is uh, kind of a long-form piece about the studio, about GSC Game World, um, which is about how GSC Game World fell apart and how those developers wound up forming 4A Games, the makers of Metro 2033, um, and the much more dubious Vostok Games, uh, creators of the Stalker knockoffs, Survivarium, and the upcoming Fear the Wolves. There's a lot of interesting tidbits, but I thought I might mention Stalker 2, since it was briefly mentioned on your podcast. Basically, Sergei Grigorovich, uh, sorry about that, uh, the CEO of GSE Game World, uh, seems like a pretty bad dude. He lived a lavish lifestyle while consistently refusing to pay his staff a living wage. In 2012, this led some senior developers to leave GSC in disgust, establishing 4A games and beginning work on what would eventually become Metro 2033. Over the next few years, GSE employees who begin to chafe under Grigorovich migrated to 4A en masse. Uh, many also migrated to Vostok Games, a company with a much more dubious track record whose sole release since the founding, since its founding, has been Servarium, a project that was uh, originally billed as an MMO FPS and a spiritual successor to the Stalker Games and has astonishingly bad monetization. A quick visit to the game's digital shop shows you that you can buy an AK-12M1, quote, premium weapon for the low, low price of $29.99. Uh, so who's actually making Stalker 2? Well, probably nobody. The theory by those in the know is that the game's announcement is actually just Grigorovich trying to drum up social media buzz to secure funding. But nobody who actually worked on the previous games is left at GSC. It's unclear if GSC actually employs anybody aside from Grigorovich, uh, so it's likely to end up as vaporware. Yeah, that's interesting stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, I missed that. Like I, you know, we do do some research for the show, the primary research, you know, we talked about this flow before, but it's mm -hmm. worth like rounding up is to play the game right. and react to it as such, and then get those basic demographics. And then kind of depending, you know, I don't do tons of research, research into the, the things, mm -hmm. you know, mostly it, it is a critical look at, at, at the game. So the, the experience of playing it is the primary text for me, like going into mm -hmm. an episode. Yeah. Um, and then kind of secondary are things I can find about it. Yeah. And the reality is, is like the amount of time that I spend doing that really does depend on how much time I have that week with other stuff yeah. for the network. Um, and that week just before Stalker ended up being less than, you know, enough to have this, you know, not make it through my filters Yeah. or like slip through my filters really, mm -hmm. you know? So yeah. I wish I had caught this because I do I do think it's important when talking about a game to talk about the conditions yeah. about how it's made. I think that is like something that uh, people are waking up to yeah. in a real way. And it's important. See Witcher 3, see L.A. Noir. Yep, absolutely. And any number so, of games. Red Dead. Yep, Red Dead shit. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. So the uh, yeah, so we definitely missed that. But that is interesting. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's unfortunate because it is, uh, you know, as much as like just in terms of somebody who is interested in the perspective and kind of mood of these games, like Metro doesn't do it for me. Um, I would like it not the spiritual successor to this to not be a real money online gun. Yeah. Don't survival don't, game. Don't make it an MMO, please. Don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is a good way to make me not play your game. Yep. See also final fantasy 11 and 14. Right. So 
Um, yeah, thanks everybody. Thank you. Uh, for writing in. Thanks everybody for asking questions. Um, again, to ask questions, patreon.com slash DuckDTV. Do write in, DuckD.TV slash contact. Mm -hmm. um, let's announce what's coming up. Yeah. So next month, uh, we are going to be playing a handful of games that I'm very excited about. So we're going to be covering Spec Ops The Line, mm -hmm. um, Halo 3 ODST, and our premium episode for the month is going to be Resident Evil 2 2019. Yeah. Excited about all of that stuff. Yes. We've never so, done a Halo yeah. game. Both of us love Spec Ops, and there's lots to say about it. And RE2 is um, masterful. It is masterful. Yeah. Yep. Um, we beat, uh, you know, we did, I beat uh, Spec Ops mm -hmm. just recently, and I am super happy mm -hmm. about that. I'm super excited to talk about it. I love it. Yes. Um, I'm setting up uh, the, the Xbox. I wanted to give a quick shout out to Forrest, hmm. uh, who sent me, um, because apparently there is kind of an enhanced version of ODST that was downloadable on a 360. Okay. And uh, mailed me a uh, 360. What? To, to play through ODST. Uh, like, you know, temporarily, I'm going to mail it back. <laughs> right. But I uh, did that, and I really appreciate that. I'm going to hook that up today. Awesome. And start in on ODST. So it'll be my first experience with the Haloverse. Hmm. I can't wait to see what the helmets are um, <laughs> and learn about those dorky-ass swords. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. Gary, in a previous episode, we talked about Cortana jerking, jerking Master Chief off in the suit. We can't oh, make that that's same joke tweet, again. though. That's how that's, – I guess that, that, that tweet is my first – that tweet is my first exposure to the Haloverse. And then after that. Yes. Yeah. Um. So we'll be doing it, you know, and of course we'll be doing a dispatch episode mm -hmm. of that. If you want that RE2 episode, that is for patrons. Mm -hmm. um, after that, we are doing uh, our kind of a grab bag month. We still have a couple more theme months to uh, get through, but um, because May has extra days in it or extra mm -hmm. Thursdays in it, yep. um, that is kind of a grab bag. We're going to be starting out with Life is Strange. So excited um, about that. I like that quite a bit. I'm Yeah, I've never, I never played it. Mm -hmm. um, I saw some some bone like blood curdling dialogue on Twitter, and then everyone assured me that it gets better. Yeah, <laughs> but there is like a like there is some real fucking um, Diablo Cody shit mm -hmm. in the first chapter at the very least. <laughs> yes. So it's there. Um, Diablo Cody is a disease. Um, <laughs> yeah. Anybody anybody who says that it's not there is lying to you. So yeah. So I, I appreciate the honesty, and I am hoping to. I I am keeping an open mind. I think there'll be a lot to like beyond that. It's been a game I wanted to play for a very long time. Yes. Um, after that, we'll be putting out our live episode mm -hmm. from Milwaukee. This is, uh, we are talking about kind of finding the fun in creative games, uh, creative in terms of things like Mario Paint, um, MTV Music Generator, stuff like that. Yes. Mario Maker. Looking forward to that. Um, we're going to try, we're going to do our best to share our creations mm -hmm. um, that we do yep. in the lead up to it. Yep. So you can, you can check that stuff out. That'll be really fun. The reason why we're doing that, uh, kind of lightweight game and the, uh, the live episode is because we have two heavyweight games. Absolutely. I mean, after that. Yeah. Um, so a, another, uh, patron request, uh, life is strange is a patron request. We're doing another, this is a patron heavy month, but everyone's coming through with like absolutely fire suggestions. So mm -hmm. it uh, works. We're doing to be doing, uh, as a request from our friend, Doug, um, Arkham city. Yep. Batman. The, yes, the, 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 the bat. Uh, the, yep. the, 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 the bat breaks out onto the streets. Yep. Where does he get those wonderful toys? <laughs> Microtransaction. Okay. Yes. Um, yeah. So we're going to be doing Arkham city. Um, people who remember our Arkham asylum episode, there's a lot of like, boy, I wish we were playing Arkham city. <laughs> now we got our wish. <laughs> yep. Uh, super, super excited about that. I was planning it out and I was like, oh man, 
Oh man, that's the name of the chapter with uh, with Mister Freeze in it, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's going to be super fun. And I, I right after we did Arkham Asylum, I started playing it, and I stopped just because I was like, oh, we're going to do this, yeah, yeah, at some point. But it is really fun. It's a great open world game, and one of our first like purely open. I mean, we keep doing things that are kind of open world games, <laughs> right? We're approaching like open world. Like eventually, we just have to do like GTA, GTA something, right? Right. To actually, totally check that off. But this we're getting this is circling it because it mm-hmm. is like very much an open world game. Yes. Um, and then our premium episode. And then, like, this is, like, number one on the list of games that, like, I know I would fucking love that I just have not played. Mm-hmm. And there's no reason for me not to have. I just haven't done it. Like, I have it. I'm just like, I can't play anything new. I have to play old things. <laughs> but I'm so fucking excited about this. Um, the premium episode for May is Hitman 2016. Oh, yeah. The episodic Hitman. <laughs> yep. <laughs> going to Paris. Going to Sarajevo. Yep. Yeah. Gonna, gonna just, I'm gonna snipe. Mm-hmm. I'm going to murder some people. I'm going to poison some folks and murder people. Yeah. Poison some folks. I'm looking forward to doing all of it. This series has been like one of these huge blind spots that I know is just like, oh, I would love these games. Mm-hmm. I just haven't taken the plunge. And I'm so grateful to, to take the plunge. Yes. So also a patron request, but again, like one that is absolutely in line with what we want to do. Yes. Um, that's going to be the premium episode for that month. So uh, that'll be for patrons. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, really, really excited. Yeah. So just about it. I did a little bit of Hitman 2016 for a streaming event a while back. Um, it's fucking great. You know, I wait. Yeah. I almost literally cannot wait. So it <laughs> so, is, uh, I mean, is... you could just start playing it. <laughs> I don't know how I, I, I mean, it. I could, but I got, yeah. I got to play some, I got to get, get a <laughs> master chief and get a jerk himself off. For it. <laughs> 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 you know, I could, but I can't leave a uh, master chief. Like what if he, uh, you know, what if he starts joining the proud boys, if I don't jerk him off. <laughs> You know, I gotta make sure I get his magic come out so he can't have the, <laughs> the, the strength to carry on the Aryan race, you know? Um, so Jesus gotta get Christ. him gotta get him coming. Yeah. Um it's keep coming. Um, <laughs> they don't stop coming. If uh if you have anything to say about those games though, mm-hmm. uh, it is duckfeed.tv slash contact. Yep. And our ratings, reviews, all that stuff is very useful. We plug the Patreon a bunch, but it really is. It's been doing awesome. If you're listening to this, if you are a patron, you're on the $5 feed. Mm-hmm. Uh, by now, you will have uh, gotten the first or very close to having the first episode of Unfilmable. Yep. Our new show uh, on that. So just uh, your generosity has been awesome. And uh, we're really happy with the, the direction the network's going. So, yeah, I don't I don't have anything to add on top of that. Tell your friends about mm-hmm. the show. Um, that is primarily how we grow. Um, it always has been word of mouth. And as always, come back next time. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, have a good night. Bye. Bye.